welcome back to another episode of the Peripheral Views Podcast. Fifth episode coming in hot tonight. Um, happy Independence Day to our listeners, our U.S. listeners and abroad. Um, in the 4th of July, we're doing this recording. It'll obviously be, re- be released uh, in the future, but uh, happy Independence Day uh, belatedly to our beloved listeners. So, um, this is our fifth episode of the Peripheral Views Podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and with me is Errol. What's going on, Errol? How you feeling? Ooh, I'm hanging in there, having a uh, about as good of a uh, 4th of July as you can. Didn't have to work, but I don't usually have to work Tuesdays, so bittersweet. Ooh, hate, Wish it was a Wednesday, man. Yeah, man, I hate when that happens. It's the worst. Yeah. Um. Uh, I was reading this article uh, or it wasn't even an article. It's just a Reddit post. <laughs> That's right. <I> call it <laughs> my information. Um, new uh, new Star Spangled Banner dropped. Oh, they got the remix out now. Yeah, someone hit the remix. Someone asked uh, an AI to make uh, the uh, opposite of the Star Spangled Banner, like make the make the inverse. Oh, and and it's okay. it's kind of topical, man. I don't I don't like how applicable it is to the time because it should be the exact opposite but i'm gonna go ahead and drop it just for uh just for uh, old uh the fourth of july peeps right yeah i actually have not i haven't heard it but i'm i'm not like the biggest fan of the original it's fine like i guess it works i mean it's kind of it's kind of when it's you know what it's about like context with me like if i hear it in the right context i get i get a little patriotic about it and you know it can feel like a little tear jerky you get that little uh you know that American pride. Right. When know, it's but... appropriate, like you go to like you go to like an air show and there's like a flyby or something yeah. nice. But like I went to a uh, a public uh, like it was just a nice little uh, public jazz on the park and they're like you know oh, cool. you know we're gonna have to bust you down with a little star spangled nice. <laughs> so you gotta look for you gotta find the flag, dude. It's mm-hmm. always and here's the thing Take when I went to go do that. Right. So like I, I didn't have a hat. I was good to go. But then I was like, where's the flag? I'm panicking. I would like so <laughs> like not like legit. Like, oh, but I was like, I look at the person. I was like, dude, the Star Spangled Banner. I was like, where's where's the flag? So I'm looking around. I find the flag post. I look up it. Sun's directly on the <laughs> I myself. So I'm like, oh. I'm like, no, you gotta, you gotta do it for America. Yeah, so you I just burn them eyes out for the soul of this country, damn it. I just held my hand up like I was saluting, but I was just trying to block the sun. I was just like for the yeah, land of the free. Yeah, that's you know what? It's it's it is it's kind of a it is a beautiful song. I mean, it's for sure, for sure a beautiful song, but like I always make for me it, it's like it's sentimental not for like American pride but it actually just reminds me of like my all time favorite sport baseball like it just it I picture the base the ballpark if I hear it right um, so I, yeah like, I feel like it, it, granted it's like for almost every sport but I feel like it's definitely a it's America's pastime with baseball so that yeah it's kind of a, it's definitely a little bit tethered to like American pride in a lot of ways but. You know. Dude, um, I saw this one thing, and it was uh, while I was doing the whole theater thing, this uh, this guy's breakdown of baseball, and it actually, because you know me, I'm not the biggest fan, dude. It made me kind of like appreciate it. Um, oh, man. he uh, he broke it down. He's like, every single sport is a play, whether you like it or not. There is a, uh, you know, there's a good guy, there's a bad guy. Uh, they have to, there's opposing forces, and uh, the. And the way he described baseball, he's like, it's like a knight's tale. You have the hero up at bat. He has his phallic object and, you know, his sword. He has his bat. He goes up there. There's an opposing force. 
and they throw so they're in the opposing force those are like the bad guys and if he right. is able to strike his sword um in such a way he can either make it to a safe spot make it to one safe spot make it to uh, the second safe spot the third safe spot and when he makes it home he's celebrated as a hero on his hero's journey the four bases so he finishes his quest he's a hero he makes it back he's good to go and if you're able to do something so heroic like with the uh, with the sword like they you know they throw the ball and you just hit it out the park um you just uh, you get Mary Sue like you're you're a such a hero like uh, that you're able to just waltz through all of the danger uninterrupted. You don't need to sprint through the bases just because you are beyond the. You know what's you know it's interesting. I, I fan I fancy myself probably one of the uh, like a very deep and passionate baseball fan, mm-hmm. um, like in a in a major way. And I gotta be honest, that explanation is is like. A, it's kind of brilliant, and at B, I'd never heard it. I'd never heard that, like, because there's a lot of analogies, like, yeah, that you can draw from like that sport. And like, I think, in my opinion, like baseball. First of all, I would love if we could take this podcast in a baseball direction at I some can't point. Help you, man. I can't a, help you. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, we can talk. Yeah. We can talk about some old. We can talk about some old timers. We can talk, yeah, we I mean, talk about Bo Jackson. We should talk yeah, about Bo Jackson, the greatest oh, athlete the, of all time. You could do like the Black Sox, the the Black Sox scandal from like the twenties, where they like threw the World Series, which is like that's a huge, huge Yo, undertaking. How much, how much money are you gonna make from that though? You know, kind of uh, feel. Well, they got banned from baseball. They never got to play, oh, no. so it's like shit. I mean, whatever <laughs> they made, it must have been good because they never played another. They never played another fucking inning. But it's oh, like no. that sport is that sport has a lot to offer, um, a lot more to offer than people realize. I think the the my always you know what I go to with baseball is like. People, people always find that it's always the same commentary about baseball that it's like boring, but like, um, there are, it's one of the few sports where like, I know it, and this sounds like a stupid baseball fans opinion, but like it, it genuinely is true. And you can find the sport a lot more interesting when you understand it more, which a is also a cliche, but B every single play. And when I say every play, I mean, every play is a pitch, a pitch is a play, right? Like mm-hmm. a guy throws a hundred and however many pitches in a game, 90, 90 pitches. That's the starting pitcher. There's probably over the course of a game between the two teams, there's typically probably like 250 to 350 in pitches thrown in a game. That's, that's a lot of plays. There is always something going on. Like every player on that field has an angle. There's an analytic for every, well, every so that's the, that's the thing that gets me. It almost clicked for me one time when I was watching baseball, like, not only like because you can only do so much. You you're the pitcher is going to throw it and he's going to hope that he gets a strike. But worst case scenario, everyone is ready if it doesn't happen. They're like, what right. if that? What if it comes off clean? What if it comes off weird? Like you have to always be like it's it's a it's, it's anticipatory. A, like it's all yeah. about anticipation. Like the sport is like I don't know. We I, this is like a terrible way to start this podcast because I'm telling you, like you're all you're doing is like all you're doing is racing <laughs> my gears right now. And I don't want. We're not gonna. We can't do baseball, right? Not today, yeah. at least. But I will but, say, like as an as an, I advocate for that sport in a way that I don't advocate for anything else. I think it's like one of the greatest. It's the greatest gift my father ever gave me. It's the greatest gift this country's ever given me. It's my all time. It's like the dang. thing that. It, oh yeah, hundred percent. Like that is my. That is the greatest thing that I've ever um, been introduced to. It's like, my, it's my first love. Like the first thing I was ever obsessed with, the first thing I've ever truly loved. Like um, I, it's it's near and dear, like in a way that I can't even explain, but I would love to someday on this podcast, dive into it and uh, its origins or 
you know, some side story backstory. We could, we could absolutely, you know, find a, a window for that. Um, but yeah. no, on a side no. note, um, taking this back on, onto the, onto the tracks, um, let's talk about today's podcast. What do you, what do you say? Sure. All right. Today we are talking about, uh, another film. This is our film series. Okay. Um, this is number two, the second film in that series. Um, we originally kicked things off. It was our first pilot episode, um, The Thing by John Carpenter. Um, that was uh, about a month ago or so. Or kind of a month. big undertaking for the first. <laughs> like, you know, this is, yeah, this one thing, definitely yeah. seemed a lot less. Like, you know, yeah, no, the thing, do... in hindsight, I think we'll probably, I'd love to do like a, I don't know, we'll see how far along we get with the film series, but I would love to do like a, a revisitation of the thing because it's it's genuinely one of my favorite movies ever. Well, but... We could always go back and do the uh, other movies and stuff that we, we didn't do the second one. We didn't, or the yeah, remake, true. you know, we yeah. can. I don't think those ones are as fun to dissect, obviously, because the first one is just so amazing. But um, either way, you know, that could that could be something we do. But today we're going to talk about another film. We're going to talk about a film from 2017. Um, That film is uh, The Death of Stalin, uh, directed um, and written by Armando Iannucci. Yanucci, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, A filmmaker. I believe he's an English. uh, He's a filmmaker out of... He's from Scotland, Scotland or England. Uh, I'm sorry, let me pull it up. Uh, Scotland, he's a Scottish filmmaker. Um, he is, uh, I mean, this film is a ton of fun to watch. It's, uh, I remember the way that it was introduced to me was I did see it in the theater. Um, my wife and I had just moved to Rochester and it was like, it was the night that we moved there and we like, we were all settled and we were just like in our new apartment and we thought like, oh, let's go see a movie. Like just, you know, something to do to like, uh, remember the night and uh, we just jumped into whatever movie happened to be playing at the local theater this was the one we jumped into and I was like oh shit I thought we were just seeing like some like you know uh, I hear the death of, you hear the death of Stalin you hear the title and you think it's going to be like a very so serious dramatic. Movie. Yeah, yeah very dramatic and dark film about and it is dark in a lot of ways but like you don't expect the black comedy that's that's you know throughout it and <laughs> I remember being like unbelievably shocked in the theater thinking like Good Lord, I'm laughing so much more than I thought I was going to in uh, in this film. And it was a great experience. Um, Errol, what was your introduction to the film? Uh, you. I heard, <laughs> I, heard, I heard about it before, and yeah. like I didn't really think anything of it. But um, the second I started looking into it, I, well, anything with Steve Buscemi is going to be just... Yeah, he's great, right? Just really good. It's not going to yeah. be bad, man. I don't yeah, think he's, so. he's awesome. I can't think uh-huh. of a lot of stuff with his name on it that's that i don't like so i was uh, really excited for and yeah it turns out uh he yeah he i don't know if he was biased he's one of my favorite characters in the whole thing dude he was great man yeah and his performance is awesome um it's he, most, he, like, he really reasonable, most were like relatable like uh, yeah i mean so, you don't really expect to hear like a new york like a new york city like accent out of that's what one thing i i kind of liked about the movie it threw me off at first but i was like wait if they're gonna everybody's do- got different accents yeah, but if you're going to have a like a translation, if it's gonna be if it's not gonna be like literally in Russian, this is as realistic as it would sound. Like the different dialects and stuff, they would be like just a bit different, but it would be the same. You know what I mean? It'd have the same yeah. kind of impact. Like you know, well, that it was an interesting from a different region. Interesting choice. Yeah, it was an interesting development choice or direction choice because like, um, and we'll we'll get into a little bit more of this, but just as a as a touchstone, it's like. Um, I, like I thought it was an interesting choice to keep like 
um it because it's i mean other films have gone through this problem before of like you know there's there's great films about world war ii from like the german perspective like i don't know if you've ever seen downfall um the it's like a basically it's about there's a an actor who plays uh hitler in his last days in the bunker um and it's like the whole film is in german and like i don't i remember thinking when i saw that film i was like man i'm it's a little obviously it was a little politically um toxic to make like a a biopic a german biopic about the last days of um hitler's reign and his last days of his life in the bunker in uh, i believe it was berlin but i remember thinking like oh you know i don't really know that anybody else could make this film because it would it would either have to be actors who knew german and could speak german or german actors and the production would have to come from another country but like this is kind of the best way um but i I, in my head i always thought secondarily like getting english actors or english-speaking actors and just instead of trying them trying to have them like like i think inglorious bastards did this a little bit too you had like um, you had like German SS officers who probably would have spoken German uh, typically, but they were, you know, the one just had a German accent. Yeah, so, they had like a German accent, but it was English speaking. So so here here's one thing that I kind of like uh, picked up on uh, with with acting and this is or at least with my with my one. I'm an actor now, Jake. Oh, so yeah. I kind of I know. I know exactly what it takes to do this stuff. <laughs> no, <it's... laughs> but no, here, here's um, I'm all ears. Let's hear it. Here's one thing that I've like heard. Um, like if like the really good actors, um, like you you won't need uh, you won't need like props, like mm-hmm. you can just be like like right like I have a gun. I have a gun right now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, I'm going to shoot someone. I have a gun and they're right in front of me and they're the bad guy. If you are good, you can just hold your hand out. It, it was like in Birdman. Oh, like he right. Was, yeah. He was okay. like, I'm going to shoot you. And they're like, oh, what do you mean? And then like, you just actually, but like, so to act, you need to um, make it seem like it's not a movie set. That's your only job. If you can um, do anything else, like uh, what they're doing here, they're trying to portray it like it is uh, like they're in Russia at, um, you know, during the death of Stalin and during that like a uh, tumultuous time period. If you're able to do that, well, like with a just different regular English accents like that's that's what acting is about. Like right. if you can if you can be removed from it, even with that, then the job is done. And yeah, it's, think- a, it's about like self-actualization, right, of like whatever's in the script. Yes. Because like you could you could do this movie, you could absolutely ruin it. You could be totally just For not sure. immersed in the movie because oh they're they're Russian and they're not even speaking. There's not even one Russian accent. You know what I mean? You could no. <laughs> totally nobody be... does. Nobody ruins it. Everybody's just right. like Exa- because they're all on board. They're all they're on board all... with like who they are and the identity. They're, exactly. And just they're all... channeling that through the English language. They're all they're all interpersonal. You you right. uh, relate with the character, and then you could tell yourself. Uh, you know that is the character that's what they're playing it's like uh when uh what is it um is it a uh, uh uh Milenkov when uh he was like up he was up for the uh chopping block and then like when he gets the uh when he gets like the chairman position he's like you can kiss my russian ass yeah like he's it's there's yeah. not even it's not he's not russian there's no russian at all but well just, that no russian would ever put it that way either it's more well well let, let me let me pause this here because we are diving into the film um a little prematurely because i i do want to let's use that like little 
diatribe, so to speak, as like a, a bit of a primer for the film for our mm-hmm. listeners. Because we got to do a little bit of housekeeping before we get going and we start oh, unpacking yeah. this thing. Yeah, no, no, we're jumping around because it's it's exciting to talk about, you know, a good film. And this this is a good film. And it's a, there's a lot. Um, there's not quite as much to unpack as something like The Thing, but there's there's quite a bit to talk about. So let's do a little housekeeping up front. Um, let's talk about the podcast um, and where we're at in the podcast. Um, Peripheral Views podcast. Um this is our uh, fifth episode, second in our film series. Um, you can find us on Twitter, as we've mentioned many times before, um, at uh, peripheralv123. That's our Twitter handle. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash peripheralviews123. Uh, hit us up on Gmail. Uh, that's peripheralviewspodcast at gmail.com, peripheralviewspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify um, for all your uh, streaming pleasures. Um, just type in that search bar peripheral views um, should be easy to find we've, we, uh, we're making waves in that in that in that landscape which I'm happy to happy to be uh, happy to be doing things over there because that seems to be where we're getting a little bit more traction in our listenership um, and if you do happen to catch us on there if you come across us on Twitter and then you pop us over into your Apple podcast feed or your Spotify feed or your SoundCloud feed uh, do us a big solid and hit that subscription um, and notification bell. And if you're on uh, specifically on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and a rating. Um, even if it's trash, I'll take any rating. I don't care. Yeah. I'm tell good. us you if can... it's tell us it's if it's like not your speed. Yeah, like, if it's not for you, do, that's be no like, big you know deal. what? I like this kind of pod. I like podcasts that do this. Yeah, hey, I like maybe... feedback because it makes us better. If we, even if it's bad, even if it's poor. If I could look at your stupid sound and faces, maybe I would give you more view. Let us know. Yeah, maybe we get the old, uh, you get a little video stream going. Who knows? We, we, we're willing to make adjustments. But either way, if you get the, if you happen to uh, stumble ac- uh, upon us in the Apple Podcast realm, you know, and you give us a listen and you like what you hear, please leave a review and give us a good rating. A five star rating would be super clutch. Um, but that is it for the housekeeping. I do want to hit two notes. Um, Two kind of somber notes a little bit. Um, I wanted to talk, um, Errol, I think we mentioned this in the development for this for this particular show. Um, wanted to pay a little homage to Cormac McCarthy, the author who yeah. uh, passed away about uh, about three weeks ago. Um, especially being that this is a, a episode in our film series. Um, an unbelievable author. I've actually, to be completely frank, the only book I've ever read from him was The Road, um, which was required reading, I think, in college or high school. I can't remember which, but um, probably obviously, I would imagine college because that's a I was going to finish it. But yeah, no, that's it's kind of heavy. And it's yeah. one of the first books I've honestly like uh, ran into that was just a uh, like it's it's just the text of like the characters. Like it, it's just like it's a lot of like the conversation. It's not mm-hmm. a lot of uh like world building it's just uh you figure it out through the eyes of yeah it's like a character study it's a it's a genuinely um i mean it's 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 yeah it's a good word there's like there's really also a lot of like um i mean i remember like the one thing that is noted in the book and i can't remember if this was translated the same way in the in the film because the film was really good too um but like, there's really, you don't really get, a, you don't, the, the character building is like, is like almost dis- disconnected from like identities. I don't think anyone has like a name, like everyone's like, a, so like, you just I remember know the reading relations the book and, between them. Yeah. I remember reading the book and that like dawning on me at one point that like, I did like, I don't, 
this is not um i'm not affiliate i'm not like affiliating a name with anyone and like being people are being referred to in like um as like man or boy or woman it's or, easier easier to put yourself in the situation yeah yeah it is because you just you kind of just you can insert yourself a lot easier. That's a, I um, think it's it's a, it's scary. The the, yeah, the scary. road, the book, and the movie. There, it's, it's. I remember the film. I definitely remember the film being pretty good, but I, that I haven't seen it in a very long time. But um, more more notably, I guess for his career, um, for me at least, is like not so much that book. Uh, the book I, I'd lo- I'd love to read this book, but I actually never got around to reading the novel. But No Country for Old Men, obviously um hit the uh, cinema the cinema landscape in a in a, a monster way back in 2007 so yeah i'd say that was his film also, dude, also um i guess the book blood meridian mm-hmm. is like the darkest book like around like to the point yeah where, i've heard like, the same thing over and I've, over I've about heard... this book and i've been i've i would i have it's been on like my reading list for 10 plus years and i actually I... have just never gotten to it and i wish i ha- i wish i could I heard I, there's I a reason. I heard there's a reason it hasn't been adopted to to film because it's, it's re- exactly like it's really hard to just uh, depict like just like just to depict something as like decrepit for like uh, not that big of a reason for not that big. I of guess a, it's like, like a payoff. I guess it's about like I remember reading. It's there's something involving like um like um like uh. Uh, scalpings in the Comanche or, or something, maybe not the yeah. Comanche. And I, I'm talking out of my. It's like like Apaches or something. Yeah, it's, it's something yeah. about scalping. I remember scalping is involved in the in the book because I read about the book a million times and been like, God, this sounds incredible. I've really got to get my hands on this. And it's considered his like magnum opus. So, um, right. Yeah, that's a monster book, and, and I, would, I would love to. I'd love to get my hands on it at some point. And honestly, um, that's it. Like No Country for Old Men. That's probably like one of if not my favorite movie of all time like that yeah is, i'm right with you i'm right with you. Is, I, I genuinely think it's a top it's like a top 10 top three. maybe uh, yeah top three in me. i would top say top three. 10 it's it's tough to put it top three but I, it, it's it might be but it's definitely top 10 for me it's it's such a almost it's one of those films that you're just like well that was pretty close to perfect it's right? one of the it's one of the first really well-made movies that sucked me in where the uh where the good guy didn't win and no, I, was he like, didn't. I didn't. I was like, I didn't know that that was an option. I was like, I not only did he not win, but he got killed like really unceremoniously. Dude, dude the contagious roll up. They and he's just already dead. The scene, and he's like, "Yep, what do you think would have happened?" And then it's just, uh, just the sheriff. He's like, "Yep, happens all the time." Don't. I'm here to tell you though, happen. like that. In my opinion, that is that is more of a that's less of an achievement. Well, I hate to say that, you know, in, in light of his like demise or whatever, but like for the film, of course, because I've never I haven't got the book um, in my, you know, in my toolbox or anything like that. But the for the film's sake, that's more of a commentary about how good the Coen brothers are and not not as much of a commentary about how great of a writer Cormac McCarthy is because the film works as a film because of the book but it also would never be as good as it is without the Coen brothers in my opinion right yeah no that's because Coen brothers just they did the damn thing with that one i mean it's top of the peak that that's the peak of the mountain for for those guys i Um, guess um i guess it's a lot more uh it's a lot more uh like uh it's a lot more notable that 
the sheriff uh, Tom Bell is like the protagonist in the book. Yeah, I think I've heard that before too. That he's he like, actually plays a bigger role in the book, right? Because uh, I, I didn't it didn't hit me until like the like third or fourth like watch through and like looking at some stuff. I was like, oh my god, it really like I'm like it's it's not about Llewellyn Moss. Like the story wouldn't continue after he died right. if it was about right. him. Like it it is about the sheriff and his perspective. Yeah. He's like you know, I kind of like, like how they did that though. How they kind of shifted. They made it like a thriller, and then like he's like he's like deep. Um, you know, grappling with with you know the the challenges and difficulties of like aging in a you know like there's like um, philosophies well, about it's, aging. It's and, it's, it's well, amazing with aging in general. It's a with anything. It's a society ages faster than you. It's the same. Right. The changing of the guard, right? Yeah. Oh, everyone like even nowadays, these dang kids, they don't understand. Right. Like uh, you either adapt or you get ran over. And he was like, I'm probably fixing to get ran over if I don't get killed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, we'll we'll one day we'll we will one hundred percent be uh, oh, unpacking that puppy question. at one point. Yeah, for sure. One of my favorite lines in that movie though is <laughs> when he like I don't know why people don't find it as funny. Maybe I'm just like not I'm just not privy to like the southern charm as much. Is but, it like, still always, sweating? Oh, the milk sweating. Yeah, I mean that's Sweet, great too. My no, I like when they come across the 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 crime scene and they're on the horseback and he's just like trotting around. He's just like he just looks at the at at. Uh, the sheriff bell and he goes all oh, hell's bells they even shot the dogs that's <laughs> how kills me every time there's so much charm in that one line and it's right but that's how right like he's um he knows like if you're a desperado it gets but if you're even shooting the dog they're like this is a shootout like they didn't well, it was also it, yeah but it was also kind of like a play on the ignorance of the deputy because like yeah because it's definitely a drug dogs. that's a drug dog yeah it's a dead yeah. dog for sure. <laughs> so it made him kind of look <laughs> but, like right but like, just oh, like, Bills, oh, man. Shot that dog. you just thought someone ran up and just like bomb boom bing bong bing yeah for him it was like poor dog but like the sheriff right. was just like yeah this dog this dog i'm fine with this dog's death because it was probably pretty Pretty evil dude, and then you see that's uh, not to. Yeah, it was, it was we're vicious. gonna, but dude, do the chase scene, man. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it one day. I was yeah, like, yeah, it's unbelievable. Imagine getting pepper with so... shotgun, you jump in the room, you're like, all right, at least I'm. A... No, that shit looks so real too. All right, we gotta stop. Yeah. No, no, let's yeah, let's yeah. push we pause to, on that. We gotta we talk could, about a talk. movie. Yeah, we've got another movie to talk about today, but I also wanted to take a note to uh or make a point to um mark the uh also the untimely i i i say untimely i mean he was 89 years old but i do want to i want to speak about um alan arkin also passed away the actor um a legendary actor man he was a great actor like um i knew about him from like um what was there's a film from back in like the 60s let me pull it up Uh, i'll pull up his filmography but like he obviously most people kind of um of my age or of our age in our you know 20s and 30s probably are most familiar with him from little miss sunshine being the grandpa um because that was a huge hit and he like won an oscar for it and uh this and that but for me it was always the um i saw a film when i was younger called wait until dark that's it yeah wait until dark he was like one of his first films and it's a like this like terrifying like thriller that came out in the 60s and they were really making movies like that and um at the time and i remember seeing it on like the 100 scariest movies or something uh one of those like you know one of those like you know tv shows where they like break down the list of like scariest movie movie moments and like that was yeah. on it and i was like oh shit this movie looks like genuinely scary it's kind of old 
Um, and I watched it and it was like, it was, it was genuinely scary. The whole movie is scary. He's really, really good in it. So like of his catalog, that's the one I'll re- I'd recommend. Um, Cause it's a, it's a pretty, it's like, it's a home invasion type uh, scary movie, which is always cool. Ooh. Like, like those always work because, you know, really fun to watch at night while you're, yeah. you know well, what I mean? Well, you know what's in, what it inspires is like, um, I remember the prop fairly well. I, I'm not going to try to unpack it too much here, but like the protagonist in it is um, an actress. I can't remember who the actress is. Um, she's a big deal too from that era, but um, she plays a blind woman. Like she's blind. Ooh. And, um, and he's like, and Alan Arkin plays like the, 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 uh, like a heroin smuggler or something. They're like smuggling drugs. And like, they, um, they like tried to take advantage of her blindness by like, um, arriving they get to her apartment and they do like i don't know i, I can't remember the exact details they should have rolled up during the day they try to take advantage of her but like i remember the, the there's a film that came out more recently a horror film called um don't breathe you heard of that because the yeah the guy was blind the guy was blind and i remember thinking oh this is total this is a total spin on wait until dark for sure the uh <laughs> the boondocks had an episode with the uh, the blind negro samurai. Oh, so they were playing on it too. See, it is a so it is a more well, it was, movie. So well, no, it's just it's just the tr- it, I don't think it was a play on that, but it's just the trope that like when you're blind, your scent your other senses are heightened, enhanced, right? Yeah. So that's... like you got like super hearing, super taste, super touch. Like if like someone creaks the door and you're blind, like you, and realistically, like um there's portions of your brain or like synapses that are devoted to sight, to smell, to listening. If all you can do is the only, if the only inputs you have in your life is like listening, those things, it's going to be so like more finely tuned. Um, quick example of uh, there's this one kid who was born blind. I was watching on like a like superhumans on like the discovery channel and he used echolocation to like, uh, to, you know, sense his surroundings. Uh, he would just like, and then listen to the sound Ooh, waves coming right. back. So his mother, uh, she was like, I used to be worried about like, you know, him being playing in the street because the car's coming by. And then I realized like he hears the cars before any of the other kids even, you yeah, know what I mean? He's safer than they're three blocks. Yeah, they're three blocks down. And he's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, wow. you know, okay. I'm not going to mess around. I found this, this on little the little web for him. So, um, my Siri. But yeah, but no, yeah, that's no, that's actually a really good point. Well, I mean, that's one of those that's just one of those tropes that like people kind of forget that like I mean, it's not to say that it's not, you know, still like it's I'm sorry. Line, but um sorry, my series going off. Um so anyway, um yeah, so Alan Arkin uh Wait Until Dark would be my recommendation. Great great film from the uh from the the 60s, late 60s. He had a bunch of obviously great films. He was in a ton of other movies. Great filmography. Um, go back and take a look at his work. He was great in a lot of things, and he's very good in basically everything. Uh, great actor. He died on June 29th, twenty twenty three, at age eighty nine. Um, but let's move us ahead a little bit, Errol. What do you think? Let's um, let's actually take a short little bur- a little break here, and then we're gonna do a quick recap of our previous episode. Um, we apologize for the delay. I know we've been. It's the holidays and airline. We took a little break too. Yeah, Yeah, it's okay to take a break. We're we're excited to come back. So we yeah, we're gonna come back strong. We're gonna push. Um, we're gonna push some some content out. Uh, for our you know the the folks that are listening now, and we'll keep it coming a little bit more at a steady stream as we can. Obviously, 
Um, but uh, we took a little, uh, just a short little break for a couple of weeks. We had a lot going on, you know, in our, we have personal lives, professional lives, a lot of responsibilities to take care of. And Errol had, uh, you know, some other creative endeavors to take on. I went on vacation. So, um, but now we're back and we're going to take a short break now in the midst of this uh, episode. And we will do a quick recap of the Wendy Carlos episode from our previous um, catalog here. And then after that, We'll talk about um, film in 2017, and then we're going to dive into the film of the day. So hang with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Thanks. Views podcast. Um, we're going to dive into uh, a little bit of uh, the previous episode. Our previous episode was on Wendy Carlos. Um, it was a but we did a biography episode on her. Dive, you know, dived into dove into her um, her backstory and her contributions to the world of music and film. Um, Errol, what did you uh, did you do? You think we missed anything? What did you think about that episode? How we did? I thought we did a pretty good job of uh, covering her story in I, the most respectful and um, honest way I, we could. And what, what did you think? If we missed anything, what do you think that is? I, I do think we did a a pretty uh, earnest job at that. I, I do like uh, I like this. I like putting or I like that we put the story out there, and I like how we did it. Um, there's only one thing that I kind of forgot that was almost like one of the reasons why like. Um, I wanted to not like the reason I wanted to mention it, but like a uh, the time period was like perfect for it. So, um, Wendy Carlos, uh, she had her like a dysphoria and all that stuff in like the 1960s. Uh, and then you know, she was like a child before that going through it. It said that she was going through uh, that dysphoria when she was like, like six or so, like pretty young. Um, in in Germany, uh, in uh, 1919 or 1919, they had a uh, a private institute for sexology called the Institute for Sexual Wissenschaft. And when Nazi Germany like started coming to power, uh, they they burnt it down. Um, so whenever like I hear nowadays, like uh, everyone's like, oh, like why is all this like uh all this like a uh, gender movement stuff like coming out of nowhere like it's just uh being like a uh, 
like it, it feels like it's just like a brand new thing like it's it's never been a new thing um it's always been around and there's always been like oppressive parties to come around and try to stop the conversation just totally stop the conversation and i don't i personally don't think that that's that that's okay granted that's a you know really short uh <laughs> really short uh um a hill to die on uh, right. But yeah, it's just it's kind of uh, it's kind of telling that, like, you know, the Nazi party wanted to uh, get rid of uh, any kind of research about the subject, uh, purge it. And then, you know, there was the whole uh, like Crystal Knock where they're just like, oh, like, well, let's just burn like every book. Like, let's just burn yeah, every Crystal book. Knock. Every I day. actually just I actually just did a, a paper in college about Crystal Knock. And it was like and it's like basically they're <clears throat> they basically just like the. I mean, it's it's one of the most like blatant examples of like the destruction of ideology. Period. Yes, like and just, that's just in, in, entirely destroying I, like ideas as a well as a and, concept. And yeah, that's that's the most dangerous thing you can do because like you right. can you can kill a person, but when you try to kill an idea, that's uh, you're going you're trying to like rewrite history. Um, yeah, it's it's one of uh, the reasons why I'd consider myself. Uh, lgbtq uh plus or at least an ally uh because uh you try to, if you try to take out one disadvantaged group it's a lot easier to take out the next disadvantaged group so i will stand for the least disenfranchised as most or as much as i'll stand for the most disenfranchised because as a relatively disenfranchised uh you know race myself and i looked up i am there's there's there we're making bounds and stuff but as a african-american i i'd like to um if i see anyone else that's fighting a similar battle um uh, I'm, I'm there for you you know what i mean yeah yeah and you know what it's a it's a it's an interesting point and i i i try to stray away from um i try to stray away from having like a outspoken uh perspective on it i mean i have my i have my opinions of course and i have my also have my skepticism about about a lot of things and a lot of ideological causes um, of course, as, as most people should, but as a, you know, as a, I'm, I'm a white male in the United States. So like, there's only white so much, yeah, there's only so much that I can contribute to the conversation. I'll, I can, I, I feel like it's my role is to, until it comes up to my shores or it, it impacts me in like this, in a direct way that I, that I deem like, um, either a extremely positive or V or B extremely negative. I, I think it's my time to just step back and let the um, let the conversation unfold. But like, I, I, I don't want to contribute too much to it, only because. Um, well, not a, your, it's, it's not your it's, fight it's, to fight. Well, it's not only that. It's not only my. It's not my fight to fight, but it's also. It's also it's a it's a very sensitive topic. A lot of these things are sensitive topics, and it's hard to be. Um, it's hard to provide a. It's hard to provide an opinion that I might feel is object is uh, objective, but would be perceived as subjective because of my race or my um, identity Situation. or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. So it's like, and that's fine. I do think there's a lot of tomfoolery with a lot of a lot of ide ideological causes and identity politics. In my personal opinion, if I'm gonna if I'm actually going to um, announce my uh, political opinion on this matter. It's I do I do find that there's a little bit of like I don't think identity politics particularly is like um, while there's obviously a place for it because there's progress to be made. Um, I don't I don't enjoy it. It's like I, I mean, it's not there. It's not that it's here for me to enjoy or that it's here, supposed to be enjoyable. It's just be it's just a difficult thing to 
it's difficult to for me on a moral level grip with that um with that battle and try to like i don't know it's 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 becoming like tethered to morality um which is like i mean everything is tethered to more to morality in some respect but i find it difficult for me sometimes to like be super excited to talk about identity politics when i just think that like um i don't know there's just more i think there's more productive ways to to talk about people Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I think the most important thing that anyone can do is uh, to educate themselves on the subject, uh, just so you're not uh, a victim of the identity politics. Because people, there, there's an agenda out there, whether you, any kind of media, whether you're online, whether you're watching TV, they want to sell you something. They want to sell you an idea. They uh, want to get you upset. They want to make you feel some kind of way. Educate yourself on the subject so you're not just reading some kind of article and just being like, oh, this is ridiculous. Because a lot of the times, um, almost everything, everything's a lot deeper than it seems. But I think it's a uh, – I want to say it's a, it's an important thing to, uh, to kind of know about just in case uh, – just in case you run into someone, uh, you know, who happens to be uh, to like have like um, something going on, like to so you can be there and be supportive of. Yeah, and it's like or... it's like this. It's in both, and this is this can apply to both. This is like the this <laughs> this is the golden rule. I mean, this is the golden rule, and it's been the golden rule for a very long time, and it's the gold. It's considered the golden rule for a reason, which is that like, um, th- and this goes for both uh, sides of basically every, uh, social, social, uh, issue or social political issue is like, just, just, st- just don't be an asshole. Stop being a dick to people. Like yeah, treat other like, people how you'd want to be treated. Like, right. If, and that, that mostly goes for people who are, who are like being intolerant of like transsexual people or homosexual people or anybody in the, in that, in that category, in those categories in the, the LGBTQ group. Um, however, like that also goes for like the intolerance of like people of uh, of people who are in a position who might not be educated. Like you also have to yeah. have tolerance for people who might not like you have to. It has to go both ways. Everything has to go both ways, and there has to be a tolerance for people who who might not get the who might not get the pronoun thing right on the first go, or might not might not get it on the tenth go because it's it's new and different. Like we all have to be a little bit more graceful with one another, um, and that goes across the board as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, but uh, the uh, the act of having to be more tolerant usually usually ends on the. Uh, I feel like it usually ends on the other side. It's you know it's hard to uh, be subjected to like an overall an overall idea and then try to be like, well, we can like convince people eventually. It's um I don't want to say it gets tiresome because there's uh, always like battles being being fought, but it's a it definitely does take a it takes a lot of tolerance on both sides and i wish i wish more people would take some time to like you know like we said in the last podcast you get to know your neighbor you know just yeah and get to talking to people in the community and be and be graceful like that's that's what i think is like the most important thing like just be graceful with one another like it's 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 a tough country to live in at this time and and, yeah you don't don't need too much time on it but like you you don't need to be the worst part about so you don't need to be the worst aspect of someone's day yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Just like, just, and also like, I, I think people should spend a little bit more time being like, um, and, and trying to get out of the, and it's so hard when, when people watch Fox news or they watch CNN or they're just like, they're, in, I heard a woman today in Home Depot, like specifically, she was just, it's the 4th of July. It's, and like, 
she just she just didn't get the message. She just didn't get the the message did not hit her her system that like today is not about that because she was espousing to a 17 year old working at Home Depot that like to uh oh today's all about freedom and you better stop better find some time today to enjoy your freedom because we might not have it much longer the way this country's going. Like she was just saying this to some kid trying to earn a paycheck and like hey he doesn't care. And like the fear mongering is like it, it's a little nauseating, and it's well, also yeah, just the, like it's also boring. just like most importantly, it's like it's like a the pretend the pretend game that the world is ending is like is I mean that's goofy to begin with because the, the world's been ending space. since the since the eighteen yes. hundreds. No, yeah. sorry, the world's been ending since the dawn of time. Yeah, I mean this is we've gone through crisis as a species, crisis after crisis, and you know what? It's it's you hear stuff like that, and it's like. Man, everybody needs to stop and stop getting, stop paying so much attention to their like Facebook groups and their, you know, their, echo chambers their, is what it yeah, is. People are really yeah, just, comfortable in their echo chambers. Not even just the echo chamber. Just, just turn the screen off. Just turn, turn the screen off. Like that's what I think. I think that's like that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing that that toxifies the mind is like just this constant stream of of information. A, even, even if you have a good healthy balance of info that's like balancing your political perspective or balancing your overall perspective, like being able to just turn that off and go, go be in touch with like what's most important, whether that's your family or your loved ones or your community or your passions or your interests or your responsibilities. Even if it's like Thomas Jefferson once said, like there's nary a blade of grass I wouldn't find interesting. And to me, that's like, damn that like that's that's the world that's the real world not like not your not your reddit stream or your forums or your facebook group or your twitter your twitter feed like that's the real world the real world is more interesting than people are are willing to give it credit and i think people should spend a little more time with it hard to disengage man truly it's a well it's an addiction and that's that's half the problem is that it's there it's this stuff is designed to like engage with dopaminergic responses of the brain like this is why it, it's been designed to do that by and it's not conspiratorial this is this is real this is how this is how it's been since social media has been a part of everyone's life and social media equals mainstream media by the way we should uh <laughs> we should talk about it sometime mm-hmm. agreed so we can shift into we can shift back into a you know away from the politics for a few, but like I agree that was a you know we we tried to time that episode with Pride Month and it landed right um, smack dab in the middle of it, so that was that was well timed and um, I thought we did a pretty good job on it. It was it was fun talking about her story and her story is like obviously paved the way for a lot of people, um, both in film and music. So huge, huge, huge episode. Uh, moving into the next um, next section of today's podcast. Um, we're gonna talk about some uh, recent films. I, I wanna, I wanted to throw a few out there, Errol. I'm not sure if you have any you wanted to uh, contribute as well, but um, I'll get us started. Um, I watched a film um, that I had seen many years ago at this point called uh, Eastern Promises. This is by David Cronenberg, um, starring Viggo Viggo Mortensen. Um, okay. And Water Tunnel alum. Yeah, Water Tunnel alum. Uh, kick ass movie, by the way. An unbelievable film. It was. Uh, it was a great um, rewatch. Super, super happy to rewatch that one. I showed my wife it, and she was she was really enthralled with it too. Um, he's just great in it. He's just amazing. Like he plays a Russian mobster. It's basically the story about like um, 
just this this Russian mob in London who's like they're up to no good. They're up to some like um, they're kind of getting they're they're starting to hit the radar a little bit of the of the law enforcement. Um, good little thriller. It's like it's a little slow at parts, but it's it's well worth your time because there's some like really big payoff scenes and like David Cronenberg is legendary um, as a filmmaker. So you and and with his backstory and the films he's made, you know you're getting some violence. So that's in there too but yeah you know you're getting a lot of gore yeah yeah he worked it in there don't you worry um another one i already watched was tropic thunder which is like i don't have you ever seen Tropic thunder does that hit your uh, oh yeah oh my god yeah. yeah oh my god man that movie has some fucking like gut punch laughs like it's just so good um from the, the whole end. the whole premise of robert downey jr just to acting a guy who like is not in blackface because that's like that would be racist if he did blackface so he did like a pigmentation yeah he did like a pigmentation transplant <laughs> i mean the, the, that's so funny to me that like he because you could probably never get away with that now um i i almost guarantee that nobody's even gonna try to touch that but like the fact that like ben stiller was like okay there's only one way we're getting we're getting away with this and there's only one way it'll even age well. And in my opinion, it actually, it worked. It worked. And like, it don't, I think it only works because he has like a black co-star that just calls him out on his racist bullshit the whole time. And he um, does like, he is like, oh man, like, I well, it's, it's the acting trope. You wouldn't know about it because you didn't start a play, but I, I kind of have a more intimate <laughs> knowledge. I mean, are it. you going to ride this hobby horse for the rest of this podcast? Like, all, it, the way, I mean, all the way home? <laughs> Yeah, I might, I might just write it out until I'm in Hollywood. I mean, listen, don't forget about me back here in the peripheral views world. Okay, we've forget got a lot me. to accomplish here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's um, he he loses himself. Um, it's almost uh, the same spiel that uh, Edward Norton's character has in Birdman, like where he only feels alive, like when he's acting he only feels authentic when he's an actor which is like a it's a uh what a juxtaposition it's a uh it's a uh paradox uh okay. because when you're acting yeah because yeah. when you're acting you're yeah. yeah when you're acting you are playing another character but that's like a he ends up coming to terms that like the situation is serious and that he is actually like you know an actor in the middle of the vietnam war yeah but he has to like come to terms with that. So yeah, it's like, like layered and shit. Like the whole thing is right. like that too, because it's like a film within a film within a film, and he's an actor. Right? Yeah. Well, that's a li- I, that I think that's exactly it. So like what it's you're kind of brilliant. It's a film within a film, so it's a satire. But he's an actor acting as a, another actor portraying a different person. So it's like, I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then you yeah. you put it another level on that because he's acting. The right. dude disguised that yeah. he's playing a dude that's playing a dude disguised so as a good. dude playing another dude. So it's there's so like good. four levels of fucking <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, like how do you deliver that like with this fucking straight family? What I want to know is not only that, but like how did Ben still like how much fun was it to develop that character in the writing room with Ben Stiller? Like when they all sat down, like like how much how hard was everyone laughing when Ben Stiller was like <laughs> Because he wrote the movie, he wrote, directed it. Like when he's pitching that, like how fucking, how hard is that room? It's something died? that you could only make. It's a, it's a movie like you could only make if you were an actor. 
yeah it's, it's like the yeah. satire that you get a little because it's also spinning in the the whole movie is like spinning in the face of like the pretentiousness of like hollywood and and like actors right. and their like prima donna you know behaviors and it's it's just so great it's such a great like it's a timeless movie and it's a ben it's a classic ben stiller movie where it's like it's you know ben stiller made movies that were always like kind of spoofs on things um i i implore our listeners to go back and, and watch um an old interview with ben stiller and tom cruise where like ben stiller plays um he plays tom cruise's like stunt double. it's uncanny it's so funny i can't even that that video like tom is cruise so is uncomfortable he's like, yeah well no he's not he's just that good of an actor he's just like he an unbelievable like, actor he does look he does a great job in that in that because it's a skit the whole thing's a total skit and it's it's unbelievably funny um but anyway, so that's Tropic Thunder. Um, and the last one I want to pitch at you guys, our listeners, um, if I can make any any recommendation, this would be my number one recommendation um, uh, for this period of time so far of new films that I hadn't seen before. Um, I saw Nope by Jordan Peele. Um, I just finished that up last night. And um, oh, my God, like this dude, I've never been more impressed with a filmmaker than this dude, Jordan Peele. Um, really? Yeah, because I had never I, I saw Get Out um way see, back. i didn't see get out either oh damn man like you are in for some fun like, i don't I, know i don't know why but i don't like jordan peele you don't like jordan peele you like you don't, don't like him in, in key and peele or you don't like his movies i don't i don't really like him in key and peele because i feel like they're just biting dave Chappelle, just doing like what he could have done a little bit he didn't want to do it yeah a little bit but I also see, like i, I thought coming from also i'd like i didn't think it was like as funny like and that's granted this is like just a serious trope into it or like a serious kind of like dig into like horror or whatever, but I don't know. Bro, I didn't know. Uh, let me let me. Just I, w- tell I you. was lost. On, it it seemed too. Uh, it seemed too much like a relevant social commentary. And no, I'm telling you, you. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna guarantee that you like it because everybody's got their own takes and their own. You know, you, you've got taste in film that's different than mine. And, and I don't like going into movies like, feeling like the victim. No, you won't. You you won't. You because the here's here's what happened to me when I started. To, I started the film and I felt like that. I felt like because um, it does kind of start this way, right? It it starts a little interesting and it kind of way more than you think. And this is now we're talking about Get Out instead of Nope. But and and we'll we will. I, I promise you, if you watch it, you'll you'll want to do a podcast on it. And we we can totally do that at some point. Okay, but, okay. I, um, I hear it's really good, and I hear it's, it's no, it's really it's literally great. Because I thought the same thing. Because when I originally watched it when it came out, I saw the first like 20, 30 minutes of it, probably about 30, 45 minutes. The opening scene is like very shocking, and they're like, I was like, oh, okay, I'm interested, and then it started to lose me because I started feeling like I was getting hit over the head with the social commentary. Yeah. Like I don't need to be clubbed to death that like white people are lame as shit. Like, believe me, I know. Like I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have to tell me how like goofy we are and how we can be like how we can be like accidentally racist sometimes without even knowing it because we're just like our nose is so far up our own ass. Like I don't need to be told this. Like, first of all, that's not all white people, by the way. A and like B, like it's kind of just like that's I don't a need lot to of y'all motherfuckers. Just not kidding. even that I'm it's just, just like well, well it's hilarious it was no the line is actually this like well did you know that i voted for obama on a second term like a lot of that kind of thing like that's actual an actual line from a white character in the film and i'm just like oh my god like you're kind of ins- you're almost insulting white people a little bit that they're like and then because it's like almost like the insinuation is that like white people are so lame that they don't know how to like engage with black people which is definitely true to some degree but like 
this was like this was like all the obvious tropes, you know, like the shit that Dave Chappelle's been making jokes about forever. Right. And it was like, oh, okay, this is kind of obvious. And then this is what you just have to get through that. And I promise there's like a twist, a turn in the plot, and like a, a, a things like ramp up in a gear that like you're just not suspecting. And it gets by the end of the film, I guarantee you, Errol, you'll be like, wow, this is actually one of the smartest movies ever. What, what is it? Like, what if white people were actually evil? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Would I actually be espousing this film? <laughs> You're like, you he know, knows like, too much. Hatred? He wouldn't yeah, be no, talking I'm, about the movie. I, no, I'd just be like, Yo, I'd be here's like, a movie you shouldn't watch. Movie, bro. Here's a movie you shouldn't watch. Let's get out. It's stupid. Watch that goddamn movie, Get Out. Don't waste your time on that bullshit. If you watch that Even movie, get out, you, can, you can get out. <laughs> But anyway, Nope was uh anyway, Nope was like a uh not a follow-up to get out, but it was like it, it was his third film. He had another one in there called Us. I haven't seen that yet. But Nope was like Nope's like this like really fun, like and there's some social commentary too, but it's actually a lot less obvious. And it was like it was really fun. It was like about UFOs in like um Eldritch and, Gods. Yeah, well and what? Sorry. Eldritch Gods. No, well, no, it's more about like spectacleism is like kind of the the target but the ufos represent like some spectacleism and there's a lot to talk about in that film too because that one that one's got a lot of like there's like these you'll i don't know why but like the film feels like it's like he's smealed by like a lot of like reddit jokes in my opinion which is gonna be right up your alley and i mean that complimentary like not in a bad way at all like they're it's really funny Food with a bunch of reddit jokes yeah, it's funny. It's funny and it's good. Nope was like it was a lot of fun. Um, it I lost me a little bit in the ending, but it was it was really good. So, um, did you have any films that you wanted to watch, or did, were you only able to get around to this the one we're talking about today? Yeah, no, just the one. I had to rewatch it a bunch. But um, Get Out was a good is a good segue into because that was a 2017 film. Yeah, so let's uh let's take a short break. We'll uh, take just a couple seconds here off, just a quick 30 second break. Um, and then we'll dive into uh, film in 2017. We'll uh, kind of push through that stuff. And then we will start the, our dissection of the death of Stalin from 2017. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, film in 2017. Hang tight. spent the first uh big chunk talking about uh, a lot of things we talked about the film a little bit we talked about uh our previous episode a couple of un- unfortunate um deceased members of hollywood and uh in literature for that matter um but let's talk about 2017 big year for films um there was a lot of 
huge movies that came out. It was kind of like a, almost, in my opinion, it's almost one of the last like big years I can recall where like um, there was like ten or more like great films that came out. Um, Errol, what old, uh, what films stand out for you from that year? The old High Watermark. Yeah. Good question. Um, you know what? I it took me a while to watch Baby Driver. I really liked that. Dunkirk might be my favorite movie of the year if it wasn't for Logan. Uh, Logan, Logan's great. Logan's I'm a great. sucker, dude. I'm a sucker for uh, superhero stuff. I won't. Did talk Logan about come it that out that much. year? Yeah, Are you sure Logan came out that year. 2017, Logan, dude. Uh, Logan, well, that was a badass movie. That movie was kick ass. Really good, dude. Way better than like any other X Men movie I think pretty much I've ever seen. Yeah, dude, Watch almost way better movie. than any like just superhero movie, like just a yeah. gritty superhero movie. Nasty, um, right? Like real violent, real like gritty. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like it was another one where it's like yo, he's like dying, like you know, it's like mm-hmm. a superhero. Right at the beginning like, too, right? Yeah, like he's not like necessarily gonna like win it. There's a couple of really cool uh, Easter eggs. Uh, there was like the old dead Ant Man, if I'm not mistaken, like just a giant dead Ant Man skeleton because he could like he could either shrink or he can grow. So he was like fighting something, but he died in the desert. So it's just like his bones, like just a giant human, but it's it's him. Cool. Yeah. No, that was that was a, you know, and it's funny because I didn't have that on my list, but that that was definitely definitely one of my favorites. I would say for me, I kind of agree with you. I think um, Baby Driver was. You know, funny enough, my my wife and I our first uh, our first date we saw Baby Driver. That was like on our first date we saw Baby Driver because I was like oh, obviously yeah. huge fan of Edgar Wright and like he did like obviously the Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, and um, World's End. And I was just like, I'm such a huge fan of those movies. I was like, I'll watch yeah, this. Can't be bad. Yeah, this is gonna be good. And then it it totally delivered as far as I'm. Concerned. It's a it's a I mean, fun movie. I wish I would have watched that in theaters. Yeah, it is. T- it is a ton of fun, and it's like it's full of like all those same like little i mean there are easter eggs in that one too but they're like it's more so like the clever the clever shots that were like they're they're very choreographed with the music and all that like same stuff that he was doing in um his previous films but he's just such a great filmmaker like you're saying though this is a really good uh really good year because even then i feel like with all all the stuff that we're saying we're i feel like we're doing a disjustice to dunkirk it was really good yeah dunkirk was literally yeah i really i saw that with you in the theater you remember we saw that together Oh yeah, that yeah. Was, that one yeah. was a monster. That was Chris Nolan, and that, that was like I genuinely thought that to me that was one of the I best like, war movies I've ever seen. I would um I would go Logan Dunkirk, Baby Driver, but the the difference between like Baby Driver and Dunkirk would probably be like uh it'd be it'd be pretty great. Like it's yeah, it's, those are both the only reason Logan uh, tickles that fancy spot is because I'm a I I like superheroes. I'm a Marvel uh. I got a soft spot for Marvel. I got a soft spot for DC. I got a soft spot for anime. So yeah, I got to be honest. Really like though, I don't think I could. Too. I don't think I could give it to uh, like my. Th- none of those were my absolute favorite. I would say that my. Um, well, no, I shouldn't say it like that. I should more so. I will say I think it's really difficult for me to say that uh, Dunkirk was not the best movie that came out that year. Right, um, that's what I'm saying for sure. I think Dunkirk's probably that's because it's just one of the greatest war films ever made. Um, yeah, I'll, but just I'll to mention a few more because there are a few more really good movies. Uh, three, uh, three billboards. Uh, that's um, three billboard. I'm I'm sorry, three billboards. Let me get the exact title because it is a tricky one. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, that was Martin McDonough, and uh, that dude is an unbelievable filmmaker. He's the guy who did um. 
He's the guy who made um, In Bruges and Banshees of Vinisharan. Oh. Um, yeah, Three Billboards is unbelievably good, man. I watched that on the same flight that I watched Logan. I watched those two movies together. Oh, um, dang. On an airplane. Good flight. Back to back, too. And and it it is great. Like, it's a great, it's a very, like, kind of um, low-key great film. Um, I'll have to watch it because I really like Banshees of Insurance. Yeah, no, Martin McDonough is like this, like, he's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino-esque where, like, he's really good with dialogue. He's good I, it, you know what? I kind of got that from Banshees of Insurance, but it's just like, um, it's like uh, if you took Quentin Tarantino and, like, took out the Michael Bay, like, you'd yeah. get him. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, right. if you took out, like, the, just the the shotguns and, like, all the blood, like, right. it's yeah. – you could – the most, like, uh, shocking moment of Banshee's intro, and you don't even see it. It's just the thud. And yeah, you, there's not a threw, ton of, like – Like, dude, he threw that finger. There's more. There's more. Let me tell you though. There is more. There's a lot. That's a unique one for him though, because there is some like in this movie. There's some like shocking moments there. There he's more like the Coen Brothers to me actually a little bit because like oh yeah, he's very silly with his dialogue and it is like it's not. There's always some weird accent and in Bruges is kind of like that too. In Bruges is like it's very like dialogue driven and then boom shocking like violence. Um, there's like Tarantino. It's like a cross between Tarantino and um and coen brothers but that was a great one to watch logan lucky was fucking awesome dude i don't know if you that one hit your radar too this was a great year for movie now that i'm I'm going through it all um logan lucky was amazing we talked about get out um blade runner this the second blade runner film came out that year um there's a western called hostel that cells. was great i'm sorry i said sorry within cells in Blade Runner, is that what is that what went down in Blade Runner? I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. Oh, yeah, so that was the, it was like the one scene from it, like he's getting like questioned, and like they're just like asking a bunch of he's like within cells interlinked. That's oh, oh, I see, I see. No, I'm oh, sorry, like, I did. I thought you saw it. I'm sorry. That's no, I did. I I actually may have. You know what's funny? My wife has seen that because we went to the movies and I I totally conked out like immediately. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's the it's the base it's like the base test line and they're just you know what it is it's the fucking blade runner movies both of them are just so dark like lighting wise like they're just so dark it's it's the cyberpunk yeah the only brightness the the, the, because here's the thing with cyberpunk utopia the only uh light you see is from the corporations it's like um yeah they only see they only let you see what they want you to see it's exactly it's a social commentary like it's like to the point where like you know all the if you look at the skies and almost every single like even like some star wars stuff like marketing like a, constantly yeah. dude it exactly it's always just like a just clouded you can't see you don't see the sun you just see yeah. the artificial lights and that's a, it's a no it's like a commentary on like the like the fluorescent lights like you just yeah. uh, you're you're no matter what your everyday life is at the whim of the corporation oh, and I it's a yeah and it's just more so uh, i could see them really tackling that that's pretty cool um so uh another another film from that year uh la- this will be the last one and then we'll move on but uh unless you've got something else but uh call me by your name came out that year and that that's a that's a you know that is a great movie and i know that it was like um it's not the it's not whatever it's not the first movie to like take to be like to try to break down the like homosexual barrier of like only uh, oh my god is that does that have anything to do with the Lil Nas X, X song? With what? The Lil Nas X song. Um, maybe, Call me by your name. Has my, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Has it has to be. It came out I've that year. It's really fucking long. I remember Ashley and I saw it in the uh, theater um, when it came out, and it was um, 
remember being like unbelievably long, but it flew by and it's very emotional. Like it's very like hard to watch it scenes. You feel really like you feel a lot of different types of ways in it. Um, it kind of drags you all over the place emotionally. It's a powerful film though. Very, very, very powerful. It's also like beautiful. It takes like the whole thing is shot in Italy, I believe. Um, I, I like, uh, I like Timothy uh, Chalamet too. So. He's a great actor, man. He's an unbelievable yeah. actor. And he's great in this and like him and um Army Hammer who they they play like um I mean it's a little weird. There's definitely a little bit of weirdness because he's like um Army Hammer's character is like older and uh Chalamet's character is younger. He's like underage, um, which makes you yeah, it's a little weird to like there's they have like a relationship that develops. It doesn't feel weird in the film. He's 17 and the um he grooms him. Yeah, the character's in his mid-20s, so it's not like there's this huge age gap, but it's a little bit that, to make you think that this probably shouldn't be going on. I googled um, Call Me By Your Name, and then the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The eighth thing is age gap. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it, is, it does then, make yeah, you no, feel there's a little the, weird. The, the uh, Lil Nas X Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, I, I think it was probably. I, I mean, around that, by... it's around that time too. So, um, it's a great film. It, it really is a great film. It's got a lot to offer. It's very like, um, it's it's sad in moments. It's got a lot. It's very unique too. Like like besides the fact that it's like a coming of age romance about um about two protagonists who are homosexual, which is like kind of like groundbreaking. Um, but it also offers like it's still very. You unique. ain't watch Brokeback. Yeah, broke back probably. That broke down the freaking. That broke. I'm not fence. gonna let that you sit down. there and talk. Yeah, I was like, he's the was, first one. The I one. was like, I won't let you. He would. He let. I said it was one of the first, but it, it broke back is definitely the first. Broke back is also one of the best fucking movies of the it's last like, twenty movie, years. It's man. a goddamn good I was movie. I was ready. So I because movie, it came out yeah. when we were young. Oh yeah, when you're a teenager, I was ready you're not watching that shit. I wasn't even a teenager. I was like a preteen, and I like well maybe like a teenager. Um, I was ready to be like, oh, like what, what the heck is? It? I was like, this is just a good movie. <laughs> this is a really good movie. I was like, this is, they love each other. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? I was like, it's not. What do you mean? That's a great movie. It's just it felt, a straight up great movie. The sex scenes felt just as awkward as any other sex scene in any movie that I watched. That's what I'm saying. People yeah, always, people always like, make this like like anybody who is just like I don't want to watch this 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 gay sex scene. It's like I don't want to watch any sex scene. They're yes, exactly. Movies. That's right. you, know, you can allude to it. I'll be fine. But that's I would have had just just of awkward that. as a moment watching that scene with my mom if it was like the Titanic one. Like, oh, of course, yeah. Because I don't want to see that shit. It's, like I just 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 let me know. Just somehow pass the message along that it's you know right it's, yeah, it's, but it's annoying it's really annoying. No, and there is some of that in this film too and call me by your name there's a little bit of that um where it's like no yeah it's no, cringy be- it's it's cringy no matter what and it's like i don't need to see that and just like it's 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 uncomfortable for like probably a lot of very very legitimate like because you're supposed reasons. to be uncomfortable yeah, supposed yeah. Well, to make yeah. you i want to make you feel uncomfortable if you don't no, feel if you don't feel good that. about if you don't feel nice about it i want you to feel awkward you better feel yeah. some kind of way though either way you better feel something hey if they're not feeling something that like that's then the movie isn't working the movie. they yeah, won't exactly. talk yeah they won't talk about the film they want to make no, sure but that's, that I, things are felt. It, it's weird though i never even thought about that until like right now I was like dude broke back my life. i was like that's a good movie i've never yeah. like I've never said it out loud. I've never been like, what? I was like, yeah. no. No, between nice. that and Call Me By Your Name, they're two, they're both like genuinely great movies. All like great movies of that, whatever year they came out, they were among the best movies of that year. And 
I'll, I'll, yeah, I throw that. That's in the mix. I, I, I would say, for me, it's probably Get Out. Uh, I would say Dunkirk's the best film of that year. Baby Driver and Get Out would be my three picks for that year because Get Out really is great. Um, yeah, but, mine uh, would be uh, Dunkirk, ahead, yeah. Logan, and then uh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver, yeah. yeah. Good picks. Good picks. Great movie. Uh, great set of movies from that year. Um, but uh, let's take a short break, and we are going to finally get into it. It's only been an hour and 20 minutes since we – promise uh, we will. We'll talk yeah, about we, it. we got to get into it. We're going to dive right into our, our film of the day. Um, hang tight. Um, sit through this quick break. Um, we're going to get set up, ready to go, and we are going to talk next about 2017's black political comedy, uh, The Death of Stalin. Hang tight, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to the Peripheral Views podcast. We are finally going to dig our teeth into this one. Um, this is a 2017 political satire black comedy film written and directed by Armando Iannucci and co-written by David Schneider and Ian Martin with Peter Fellows. It is The Death of Stalin. Um, it is an awesome, unbelievably funny, uh, raucous film from uh, from 2017 uh, uh, which we just got done mentioning was a great year for film. And I would, I would throw this into the top of the heap for that year. Um, like I said, directed by Armando Iannucci, um, who is, he did some work on the uh, hit TV show Veep um, and some other stuff too. He was pretty accomplished and he got to make this movie. This movie wasn't a huge box office success, but it was uh, critically acclaimed. It was very well received by uh, critics, film critics and um, professionals in the field. Uh, screenplay was written by Fabian Neri. Um, it's based on a, a French graphic novel, um, La Morte de Staline. Uh, the film depicts the internal social and political power struggle among the members of Council of Ministers following the death of Soviet leader Joseph Stalin in 1953. Um, it's got an ensemble cast. Um, starring in the film is uh, Steve Buscemi as Nikita Khrushchev. Uh, Khrushchev, sorry. Um, Simon Russell Deal as Lavrente, uh, Lavrente Beria. Um, Patty Considine as uh, the director of the, uh, I'm sorry, Andrei Andreev, director of Radio Moscow. So he plays 
he's right in the opening. Um, if you don't recognize him, he's in Peaky Blinders. He was in like uh, World's End. He was in a bunch of stuff. He's a good actor, um, good English actor. Um, the, playing Stalin's son is Rupert Friend, Vasily Stalin, as uh, Vasily Stalin, Stalin's son. Um, Jason Isaacs plays Field Marshal uh, Georgi Zukov, um, who was at the time the head of the Soviet Army. He's the guy from the Patriot. Uh, do you remember him from the Patriot, Errol? No, but I remember him from. Uh... No, I don't. I don't remember him from the Patriot. <laughs> he was like he was like the the he was like the villain. He was like the red coat in the Patriot from like back in the day. He was he was like a total dick in that movie, and he's a dick in this one, but he's fucking hilarious. Doesn't he play like a lawyer in some TV show? Yeah, he might. Or am he I might. thinking John Hamm? Yeah, yeah, he kind of looks like John Hamm a little bit. You might be mixing him up with John Hamm. That's very possible. He's a he's great like... actor. He's like John Hamm without the uh, the college ball torture. Yeah, he's also fucking hilarious in this movie, is he not? Like, he is one of the funnier characters in this film. I mean, he was just... He was well, also, riot. it's like, he plays a very good military general. The second he comes into the scene, like, he... Like, oh, I buy it. With the scars and shit? The, yeah, and he exudes, like, the confidence of a general. Like, he just... Surely. Um, once we get into it, like, the second he becomes, like, a character like he get he's a military general he gets the ball rolling like he's like oh, oh yeah you know, let's like let's do this and then like boom boom bam like it fucking get oh yeah he, once there's a mission what like that part of the towards the end where like they're, yeah like, where he's like, like oh yeah the setup he's like oh yeah we're doing this yeah no tomorrow um, yeah yep tomorrow yeah uh finishing up michael pa- uh, palin plays uh yes uh yakashlev molotov uh, that's how it's I'm gonna butcher a lot of these, so just just Molotov. bear with me. It's a, like the cocktail. Yeah, like that one. Well, Molotov is easy, but the first name is like a, a mess uh, for me, at least. Um, who else is uh, Jeffrey Tambor plays Georgie Malenkov, who is I mean, what a this that's probably my favorite performance in the film. I think he's fucking unbelievably hilarious. I mean, he's just he's a riot throughout. Um, he's just got some great fucking one liners. Um, and um that's it for like i guess the major i mean obviously adrian mclaughlin played joseph stalin and even though the film is called death of stalin joseph Stalin's not really in the film all too much he dies pretty early in the film um the character playing him at least and um he um the actor playing Stalin, dead ringer what do you think i mean pretty pretty yes. on, on point not bad right i mean jesus he, he oh yeah quite a bit like him yeah, it's kind of uncanny, but he also kind of looks like Albert Einstein. So like, yeah, there was a little bit of that. I got an Einstein. I got a little bit of an Einstein uh, vibe from the look too. Einstein. Um, the film was uh, the was shot by cinematographer Zach Nil- uh, Nicholson. Cinematography doesn't play a huge role in the film. There's definitely some moments where he's he's kind of put uh, putting his skills on display, but it, it's a lot not really of a lot of the of times film. in like the forest shots, it feels like. Yeah, he made sure to make uh, well. It's also like I think a lot of the shots of like Russia were pretty um, were pretty like gorgeous and but but yet dark. There was like a beautiful shot of the Kremlin, and it was like um, it was like at sunset or something. And it and it's it's very ominous. It's ominous, but like pretty. Like and and they let you know that like Russia is a beautiful country architecturally, but like at the time was also a very dark and like oppressive place. Yeah, um, uh, the music was done by Christopher Willis, um, and it was produced by Jan Zenu, uh, Laurent Zaitun, um, Nicholas Duval, Adavosky, um, Adasovsky. I'm sorry, uh, Kev- and Kevin Loader. So those are your producers, your writers, your directors, your actors, your cinematographers, 
and your uh, musical composition. So those are the folks, the major players, and obviously, you know, film has a lot of people involved, but those are your major players in the production of the film. Um, the film is a powerhouse of, like, of acting performances. And I was going to say this to you, Errol, and, and that because I thought this, I thought you might actually appreciate this comment about film. Um, does the film not feel a little bit like a play to you? It does. Well, there's, got, and here's bods, the thing there, well, the thing is too, there is acts. And uh, if I were mm -hmm. to have to, uh, as a, uh, as an actor, if I were to, you know, I was in a play, if you didn't know, I was in a couple actually. Um, what uh, the, the acts, I would have to break them down into the uh, procedures, the procedures mm -hmm. that, uh, you had to go through uh, when the uh, uh, when the acting uh, comrade in action died, and that was uh, you know they had the uh, it was the it was the same uh, same thing they used in the beginning, the same like red uh, red like background with like the text that would just right. be like oh like during this part like uh, if he dies you're supposed to do this, or if he's going to die you had to have a uh, like a meeting and then like uh but yeah i'd say the plays are broken up by that yeah well a lot of the film i was reading that a lot of the film was like um improvised right so like mm -hmm. they they and this was i guess one of the reasons why the director was like very insistent on uh, having the character speak uh russian or with the russian accents um because he didn't want the characters to he didn't want the actors to not be able to like effectively improvise their their lines and right. um i think that does the film a lot of justice like it was kind of like um because that i think that's what gave it a bit of like a saturday night live skit feel well where, that, like, guys that's what gives off each other that's what gives like anything life if you ask me is um if you can feel comfortable enough in a character to like say something that you think the character would say then that is uh, gonna be uh, often more often than not if you ask me it's better than what is written because it's right. more authentic. It can more, be, yeah, because it's coming from... It's more authentic to you, right, to the actor. To the actor, right, to yeah. the actor, exactly. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I, I thought that the only complaint I'll really have about the acting in, um, is basically... And, and it's funny because it's coming from the guy who... I, I'll say this about the actor who I actually thought put on the best performance, but there's a couple of moments where, like, Buscemi is so good throughout most of the film that when he's not good, it's almost noticeable. And it's all, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like mo all the other actors except for um, uh, Malenkov are who was played by Jeffrey Tambor. Everybody else has an English accent, and those two are the only ones with American accents. Um, and Buscemi's accent, American accent, is like it's. There's moments where I'm just like, I he takes me out of the film a little bit, where I'm just like, oh shit, that's Steve Buscemi. Whoops. Like, like I mean, almost in the beginning, even when he's talking about the grenade. <laughs> Well, anytime he says, it's almost like anytime he says a uh, one of the Russian characters' names, like if he if he when he would say like Beria is fine because you can say Beria in an American accent, but he, when he says like yeah, like yeah, exactly, that's a great example. When I hear Steve Buscemi, Buscemi say uh, Melenkov or uh, Shashevsky or something like that, or well, I guess that's not really Russian, but um, whenever he says a more Russian-sounding name such as like Zukov or um, you know. Yudina or Molotov or uh, Mikoyan or like these these Russian names I, I almost like he says it with such an American accent that I'm that I'm like even his own name is he's Khrushchev but like yeah, I just find it long. yeah I just find it he takes me out a little bit but not not the whole film and I hate to I don't mean to harp on on that too much because I do think he's 
largely great in the film. And he's he actually kind of holds the film up. I think he's one of the better actors. Um, who do you think is the uh, who would you claim who who would be your pick for the uh, the funniest? Who's the funniest performance in the film, or who's who's your favorite performance in the film? Um, we're talking about him, dude. Khrushchev, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, you think so, um, dude? And so here's the thing: his role in the whole uh, theatrics of the uh, of uh, like Stalin's thing was uh, he was the jester. He was the court oh, okay, jester. Right. Yeah, that's sure. why the first the first scene you come into him, he's just oh yeah, we take a grenade, we juggle it around, we throw it in, we do anything to keep warm. Um, he talks about uh, Khrushchev's law. He, um, which is just mm-hmm. uh, you have to write down what you're talking about the night before to see, like you know how it went. And the only thing he's going over with his wife is what was funny, what was not funny. That was, oh, like, yeah, yeah. He was like, uh, <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, I made a joke about the farmers. He's like, that what was landed, funny. what didn't land. Yeah, and it's awful. Like the joke about the farmers. He's like, that landed, so they're just laughing about people starving. He's like, I made a joke about the navy. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, yeah. like, like an actual like loss of. But, they're um, actually shitting on Stalin in his absence because they're pointing out what a fucking terrible sense of humor he has. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which is think this in like he you know it's Steve Buscemi, so he made a nice like joke about like the Navy. He's like, oh, we got a like we got our asses handed to us, and he, not funny. He's like, okay, ooh, yeah. not gonna talk <laughs> about the Navy anymore. <laughs> and then uh, the grenade, but so the Navy joke wasn't funny, but the farmer joke was funny when people starving, and also the grenade joke was funny when he just talked about throwing it to random people just because <laughs> just because they were freezing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's a great performance. It really is, and I I think he's got some like pretty unbelievable lines in it. Um, I think per, for me the funniest um, the funniest performance and my probably my favorite performance is uh, Stalin's son, uh, played by uh, I believe his name was what's the actor's name Rupert Friend. I think is yeah Rupert Friend. Dude, like, I have a hard I have a hard time thinking he's the bad guy in the whole film. He's they they talk him up like he's crazy, but I don't really believe so. You didn't buy his acting, or you didn't buy that he's crazy? No, I bought his acting, and I didn't buy that he was like they're like oh this guy like I don't want him saying anything like I don't want it like oh he, it's him again like he is he's a he's a kid who's a uh, one of the biggest victims of uh, what's the word for I don't like the word and it's not a good excuse uh, it's the it, uh, what is it like in in oh what is it uh affluenza, affluenza. where you're What's, yeah was, so if you're that in affli- reference to if you're it's a no i'm telling it's a uh it's like it happened in a court case there's this one kid who was like driving and he was driving drunk and he like killed some people drunk driving he was like 16 years old like had his permit and um I don't. I don't know the exact details. I'm probably butchering it, but either way. Oh no! I'm looking at it right now. It's like a pseudoscientific psychological malaise. Yes. So, like, if you're if you're young and you're rich and like you just haven't had consequences, like you haven't had consequences, so you're not. You don't know the. You don't know what your actions do. So, like, there's some kid who got in a car accident when he was drunk and underage, killed some people, but the his lawyer argued that he was affluent enough to where 
he had enough money and he was so coddled from society where he didn't know what he is doing. So it wouldn't be right to charge him as a regular person. And they didn't charge him as a regular person. I'm not saying it's like a good excuse for anything. I actually think it's really good. It's just kind of dog shit. You're a shitty person for it. Well, they actually but, say that like it's a pseudo, it's a pseudo. Um, oh yeah. No, he just, scientific. He, he, he got off on some nice. He's, he's hyped. Well, he also killed the, he, he like, he, uh, I think he was either responsible or someone. I can't remember the character, but like something about the the hockey team that crashed the airplane. I think that was actually somewhat true. The Russian hockey, the Russian hockey um, plane crash. Like I'm pretty sure he was. That was like a real thing. You tell me that the Russia. When was that? So it was before. You tell me we that got dog walked during the Mighty Ducks. Like if it was a little <laughs> bit after, like it wouldn't even that, have been close. This is 1950. Okay, so but you know, no, even then, you know, you would have had some big dogs around. Yeah, yeah, like, probably some, probably some pretty, pretty nice hockey players, and like, it, it looks like I don't know, it looks like he tried to cover it up or something. Um, what's the because what's like, the, the USSR was like they had this like very unbelievable stature in the world, and well, they wanted they to be to the best at everything. They wanted to right. be uh, so. I think his character was like responsible for that cover up, and like he could have been prosecuted for it, or he would have looked bad and you know, on the world stage, but yeah. Um, um, but anyway, that, I thought that character, I, the one scene where he's struggling, <laughs> they're like cutting off Stalin's head. They're like, they're like That's cutting his do. head off and he's struggling with the officer's gun and they're just, standing it's like, there waiting. it's like five <laughs> minutes. It's like, it's, dude, it's it feels so, so long. That's that's what I'm saying. That's why I feel bad for him. He's been coddled his whole life. He's like, yeah. you know, he's not stupid because he he's has... He's also like, super drunk, too. Right. So he's he's drinking all the time, but he's he's educated to where he can read. And he can, like, read a room. And he's he kind of feels, uh, like, at at edge with everyone around he knows that people are vibing for power around him because his dad's so powerful so he comes into that room he's like what's going on his dad's head's peeled back he looks at the machine it's literally (laughs) just an american name on the machine it just says like something co already you know what i mean it just you know because they're when what they're doing is on the up and up they're literally just embalming him like yeah i mean that's just what that's just the process at that point right but if you're a conspiracy theorist and you see that, you're like, oh, they're using an American machine. And he was definitely crazy. His brain. Yeah. Right. He, so, he was like, definitely crazy. But like, just because he's crazy doesn't mean what he thinks is wrong. What he I saw. Guess what, I guess what, what was actually pretty true about that character, the development of that character, is that like he was actually pretty fucking like, I don't know that he was quite as like, Maybe maybe the maybe it played a bit over um maybe a little bit under is what I was reading is that like he was actually underplaying the level of alcoholism and paranoia that Stalin's son underwent. How, I mean he like, died of like, alcoholism at age forty in real life. Let's be real though, like how do you overplay alcoholism in like a Russian movie? That's a good point. It's tough to do. Like right. it's tough. It's tough to like where everyone's that. just drinking vodka all the time like how do you like yeah. they they made him a drunk amongst drunks for sure basically, basically well i don't yeah. well no that sounds racist but like they made him like there's not a lot of other drunk characters in the place there's other people who drink but he's like they're like that guy's an alcoholic and they're all russian they're like that guy has a problem so 
Yeah, but, um, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a great performance. Um, but like I, the, I thought it was one of the funnier ones in the film. I, dude, I thought it was like realistic. Like the stuff he yeah. sees, I would be saying the same stuff if I was that stupid. I'd be like, "You fucking take it out of his brain. You're gonna deliver it to America. You want to fucking? They're gonna have Stalin run the country in a computer." Well, so like the film as the film progresses, well, I, I basically we'll lay out the plot a little bit, I guess. So basically, what happens at the the onset of the film is you know Stalin Stalin dies of a stroke, I believe, right? I think it's a stroke. Well, yeah, no, laying out the plot. Yeah, no, laying out the plot. Uh, starts off in the uh, movie theater. All right, the theater. Sorry, in the in the theater. The orchestra, Uh, right? Yes, they're doing the. It's a musical emergency. (laughs) I feel I feel like the beginning is a great example of how uh, the creativity and like productivity are stifled under the uh, under the laws that they had under the uh, regime. Well, the paranoia of Stalin, right? Exactly. It's it's all about the tariff, the terrification of the of the the culture by Stalin. Exactly. Every single person who is even closely like interlinked with it or within cells. Sorry for the, uh, they all are, uh, they're, they're all terrified. Like the one guy, when they're talking back and forth, like, he's like, Oh, did he say like a five and in hot as in hive or nine is <laughs> five? <laughs> he's yeah. like, terrified. He's like, I don't know. I wasn't on the phone. He's like, you literally don't even mention me. He was, he Someone was asked you blaming him. Yeah. And it yeah he's, he's like, don't sure you even, he's known, like, don't even like, fault me. It wasn't, yeah, don't it wasn't even me ask me because I'm not going to be the one who was wrong here because that like, was ex- in my head. And you don't know exactly what's at stake, but what's at stake is just like in like three other scenes. It's just like uh, you know, long live stop, gunshots. So you just get killed <laughs> yeah. for you. People get killed for less. So he's like, he's like, literally, don't rope me into this. I wasn't on the phone like five minutes from when you hung up. I don't know. I wasn't on the phone. He's like, don't talk yeah. to me. And then and they then, start um, like they just start ushering in like they usher in like just peasants off the street. Yeah, and just like fill the scenes and, because and then the, the show. and then the creativity is further stifled. Just from the uh, the fear and the uh, you know like uh, the bureaucracy of it, when um, the the girl comes in, the right. pianist, and she's, she's like, refusing. Her her dad was killed under Stalin. Her brother was. She's like, I don't even know why I'm doing this other than the fact that my brother and father would want me to live. And then uh, the guy's talking about it, and he's like, Oh, like the acoustics are off. Even Stalin would notice the difference. And then she goes, Even Stalin. And then he's yeah. like, who? I mean, uh, no, yeah. I didn't mean that. Man. Yeah. Like, oh, he's the best, <laughs> the best years. He he's like, yo, it's the room spinning, bro. Yeah. He's like, I just. Yeah, because it. that, and it, it is true. Like, I have, I have read about this film a lot, and there are some historical inaccuracies throughout the film for sure. Like, that's, that seems to be like pretty much everybody's fine with that. And I think that, I think that he took some liberties with like the script specifically to like, I mean, it's, it's, it, he, he Hollywoodified it like it's it's just what it is um but I will say that like the, the I think he really nails like what it probably was like in terms of the paranoia and the See, anxiety that's, that's what I I think the film does a really good job at like um at one one side of it just uh like satirizing like the whole mm-hmm. situation situation but at the other side like kind of like genuinely giving a decent feel of like you know how everyone right. felt every like the guy and like the thing is too like whenever anyone um whenever whenever anyone has like a taste of power they know like they're almost next on the chopping block like the gentleman he's yeah. like everyone like sit down like get out everyone sit down 
Yeah. We're doing it's a musical. It's always chaos, and it's always you're always on you're always on the chopping block, and there's always just like death is just lurking in every corner. And I honestly think in the but every it's the elephant in the room, and everyone needs to beat around it. Yeah, exactly right. Did the one uh, uh, Malenkov? He in the beginning, he's like, "Yo, what happened to the one guy?" And he's like, "Do you really want to know what fucking happened with him?" (laughs) because <laughs> they're just killing yeah. people left and right. I can't even think of the guy's name. But he's yeah. like, oh, well, like, how am I supposed to keep track of everyone? But like, no, you really, you, the reason why Steve Buscemi's character did really well is because he was just the jester. He never addressed the elephant in the room. He always just was just silly if someone didn't show up the next day. Hate to see it. He played, yeah, he played, he played his cards really close to the chest, which is why he wound up the victor in the film. And, and we'll get to the ending, but, um, and we can kind of like, we'll just push through right through the plot. I mean, basically what happens is, um, well, I also think it's, they do a really amazing job of like um, showing the government, like the, the, the film is obviously centered around the government officials and, and the, you know, the actors play people who are close to Stalin, who are basically the people that Stalin trusted, but yeah, no one trusted the, Stalin like and nobody trusted each other. Yeah, they all And then they he dies. But then he dies, and here's what's interesting is that he I found this like to be one of my favorite like um ideas by the by the filmmaker is that when he dies, he shows how how terrified all of the all of them are, even in front of his corpse, like because they're just they're that scared that even his dead body they don't dare speak against him he's still he's still there. He's his, his physical. He's body not is talking. He's not conscious, but he's still in the room. But he's there. So everything they do. But also, a, a whole a, a lot of um. If you if you look at this movie like from the start to finish, um, a lot of the times the characters' actions don't represent their feelings, or at least how they should feel. Like they're um, you would think like someone comes in, they're like, oh my god, Comrade Stalin, like get the defibrillator, get him up. You know what I mean. <laughs> They all are like terrified of the man, and like, yeah. the, but they everyone comes in the room, and they're all like, "All right, let's be rash about this." The guy's literally resting in piss. He's literally, yeah, he's literally, literally resting in piss. And they're like, <laughs> they like, comment about the piss getting on their shoes at one point. <laughs> everyone gets pissed off. Like, what am I gonna be in piss? <laughs> but like, like so, like you know the the phrase like, "Oh, like rest in piss." Like you know, Jake. Yeah. If that's, you saw that's... me or if I saw you like having a seizure and like you're just on the floor an hour in your own urine, I'm like moving you. I might even take your pants off. I might get a towel on you. I might yeah, like, but... you know, like <laughs> not just like all right. fucking world power. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, you know, he... what is Jake in charge of? <laughs> but no, like they, um, they're all like, quote unquote, worried about him. They're all like. Uh, logistic or like uh, in a as a bureaucracy worried worried about him they're like we need right. to get everyone here but like no one's actually worried about him and like you know actions be louder than words so like the fact that they're all just like all right what do we do and they're all just like i hope he fucking dies <laughs> they're, not, they're just yeah. all like he's gonna die if we don't do anything we gotta keep it up and then um yeah uh, uh, uh baria he is like that to a T. He's just hoping he dies so he can like claw his way to the top, right? Um, and the and the character of uh, Lavrenti Beria is like, I mean, just a pure fucking evil. And they really, it's so weird because like you would think because he's kind of plotting a he's plotting a he in the film itself without any of the information that you would have on the actual man, 
right? Because you come to find out that he's like he's a, a like a he's he's like an evil propagandist and like he commits like all these like sexual abuse um to like very very young young girls is that in like real life too yeah that was that's real like that that's and he was he was uh i believe he was tried and shot for treason i think that was all real like they they did i think he was shot he was executed um Oh yeah, but there like, is yeah, there is that tense scene at the end where he's trying to like explain it. They're like, oh, like sodomization of like a, of a child. child. He's like, yeah, like he, wait, he was a he was just a monster sexual predator. And like, but before you know that about him, you're almost like you don't know. You can, I mean, the actor does such a great job of like in like in instilling of an obvious sense of like, okay, this dude is is no good. He's bad news, right? But um, he's he's a bad guy amongst bad guys like he's like, yeah but what he's doing and almost what he's doing is because it's plotting against like he i think one of his like one of the things that he like tries to and obviously he's this is all like selfishness and he's just trying to gain power but like one of the he he instructs like some lib like the liberalization of of the soviet union which or is it radicalization was it the was he he was in charge of the radicalization? Okay. I mean, no, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just making a joke to the when they're like oh. <laughs> he's like Stalin was a liberal, then he's like radical. Radical. Oh right, yeah. I don't honestly I don't even know anymore. I'm not if I'm No, sure. I can't remember which now. You got me I don't know if you're <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Barry wanted to liberate. He wanted to liberate the USSR, which was like which is crazy because he was just like this yeah because he did ask story. for everyone to like uh, be released and stuff yeah he was starting to get people released but obviously it was all for you know it was all a power grab at, at a certain point but his his the actual individual of of Renty Beria was just he he was just rotten garbage I mean just just terrible oh yeah just an actual shit human being yeah yeah I mean he was accused of a lot of rape in a lot dude of, it was like, like it's so sexual predation. It, it's so crazy how like fast it steamrolls because like they in the whole in the whole movie they're just listing people's crimes and like oh you're killed for like would be treason like you're in the gulag for like because we think that you might be a per oh turns out that you were good this whole time our bad you get released from the gulag they're like dude you did this this and like we're gonna kill you and he's like wait no wait what do you mean we're gonna Listen like, to this. Really? Listen, hold on. Listen to this. This is what I'm, I'm just reading about him as we're moving along through here. In 2003, the Russian government acknowledged um, Sarkisov, uh, who is, I think it was a journalist of some kind or a, a colonel uh, in the military. Yeah, it was a colonel, a bodyguard. His bodyguard. Okay, yeah. Um, colonel Raphael uh, Sarkisov. Sarkisov. He had a handwritten list of, of Leverente Beria's victims, which reportedly contained hundreds of names jesus the the victims names were also released in to the public in 2003 so this dude is like the this dude puts bill cosby to shame in terms of like the raping like and and the fucking sexual he's abuse. a murderer just the worst just the worst and then apparently oh even worse and they did say this in the film in 2011 building workers digging a ditch in moscow city center unearthed a common grave near the same residence containing a pile of human bones including two children's skulls covered with lime and chlorine yikes so that's a yeesh yeah so like it's i i would actually say in in i remember reading about this actually now that i'm, I'm actually uncovering this as we're recording 
I think they actually should have done a better job of making him look like the piece of shit that he was. I mean, this is a genuine. So, no, like, they, you, you no, would make they, a whole so film about this, dude. No, so, so here's the thing. I think they do. I don't think so. It's not like the premise of the film, but here's right, the thing. It's not the second. The second everything goes awry, his fucking fat ass sneaks in the building. He's like, I need to get everything on everyone else because I oh, raped yeah. kids. Like, so he's like, I know what you did. You, you. You set up your own brother to get killed, <laughs> yeah, and right, then yeah. you you a hundred people killed. You did that. He's like, I have everything on you. When yeah. he snaps, and they're all just like, "Listen, we're all friends here. Calm down." <laughs> right? He's like, yeah, "Only friends." <laughs> yeah, Steve Buscemi's like, "Only friends could like yell at each other." <laughs> <laughs> but like, the reason he was so scared and he needed to do that is because like they're like, "You fucking raped a kid in the butt." Yeah. Like what? The, the fact f- that they. Yeah, I mean, it does really play into like it, that's why it's a that's why I think it's like a sat it's a satirization of a, a, a and a black comedy a, 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 for sure it's a black comedy like it's a very these are like the most evil heinous individuals that you could have found in the world in the 1950s. It's so and funny making them like very funny and hilarious and like goofy. There's a scene that like uh, accentuates that like exact uh, that exact premise. It's like when they're doing the uh, the funeral. They have mm-hmm. red armbands, on, right, 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 yeah, on the like the right side, and then a, 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 a Khrushchev, old uh, Steve Buscemi's character. He's like, "What are you going to invite some Nazis?" They all oh, like right, look right. around, but they got like fucking red armbands. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like, like you're fucking <laughs> yeah, he, there. He, well, he's like, "Yeah, you invited the priest. What's next? Like Nazis?" And then like they. But they have the red armbands on, so it's yeah, that's big. that's pretty ironic. That's really funny. And then you got Georgie wearing the corset, which is which is really. He's we propped up a corpse in a corset. Yeah. He's like, "What did you mention the corset?" He didn't even care that he's talking about. He was just so he's like, he literally mentioned the corset. Yeah, he's not even mad that he literally said like, "We're gonna kill you." Like you're just a puppet. He's like, yeah. "Why'd you mention the corset, dude?" And he's like. Yeah. He's like, yo, I, I told you that in confidence. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's so funny. Man. There are moments in this movie, and that's Jeffrey Tambor, who's like, uh, who's just such a great actor. But he's he's such a great comedic actor, specifically. He's <laughs> just so fucking funny in this movie. Um, he's just got some unbelievably funny. Dude, I love I love the switch that he has. Like the second he gets power, he's like, yo, I don't, <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can't it's talk so... to me like that in front of people. He's like, yeah. <laughs> like the second he gets, he's like, "Oh, be dead ass!" Like you need to fucking, <laughs> I need to look good out there, no matter what. And he's just like the second he gets a little bit of power, he just starts. He goes from like a wicked humble person to like uh, on the chopping block, literally gonna die that night. To like, you need to find me the girl. I hope she's the same age like as she was like two years <laughs> ago. <laughs> yeah, his character, his character's just got a million of those moments where like <laughs> he's like, Yo, he's how just. Do you He's, he's like, like very like cowardly. He's cowardly yeah, he's, and he's really vain, but he's also but, like But yeah, he's he's cowardly, but he knows he needs to have a certain amount of like machismo so it doesn't like line up right. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, he's a uh, during like the painting, he's like, Oh, which one we tried to like uh, switch this one up for? He's like, Yeah, he's like burn this one. Yeah. <laughs> I love that line he says about uh I, I just pulled up the, the exact quote. He's like because he starts he just starts delegating. Remember Krushnev Krushnev um Steve Buscemi's character winds up like getting in charge of the 
of the funeral and he's like i'm not gonna do and, but then george's character is like i'm not doing the seating plan give it to blavatsky he's an expert at sitting on his fucking ass which is <laughs> <laughs> like that's the kind of comedy you get in this movie where like they, there's one line there's like literal there's like hilarious one-liners that they build into the script that like they're funny anywhere they're funny in america they're funny in england they'd be I mean, they weren't funny in Russia because this movie got like I think pretty pretty sure it got banned in Russia. So, which is obviously oh. not great. Yeah, yeah. The, the Russians they don't know how to laugh at themselves a little bit, but yeah, we it's also a, it's a little fresh. It, it, that there's a, happen, there's but, a lot of stuff banned in Russia right now. So let's that's you great know point. very true, <laughs> very true. A lot of shit. <laughs> there's a, there's a couple sanctions. There's probably they're probably not watching Disney Plus. Let's just be real. So let's uh, we'll talk about the ending here really quick, and then we'll uh, we'll start shifting gears um, away from the plot. Um, and uh, so what happens at the end of the film is uh, Marshall Georgi Zukov, who is the uh, the he's like the Russian the head of the Russian military, the Soviet army. Uh, he is irate over supplanting over the supplanting of the military in the NKVD. Agrees to support Akushnev in a coup against Beria. So like Beria, this is what we were Errol and I were just discussing. Um, during the Stalin's funeral, they start to plot this against Beria because they want to try him and prosecute him and execute him. Well, they, they it's, do. it's it's like a anything. Uh, you you just need a fall guy. You everyone. Yeah, he's, you just need he's a fall, the perfect. And he's fall guy. and he's actually just. They're like, dude, this guy's an asshole. They're like, he is yeah. a actually a bad guy. They're like, we were just trying to survive, and that's right. kind of the gist you get from like uh, Steve Buscemi's character from like you know Molotov from all of them. They're they're not trying to climb up the ladder. They're just they're comfortable where they where they're at. They just yeah. don't want to get fucking. Yeah, but then once again, like also some heinous crimes by the actual characters. Um, they they make them related. Like you like them to some degree, or you're interested in them, and you find them funny and all this. But like heinous people in real life for sure. Um, and so they hold an emergency trial and they execute uh, Laverne Beria um, for. Uh, revolutionary activities sexual assault and pedophilia and and the horrible acts that he was accused of it looks like we're pretty, like pretty substantiated yeah they yeah. substantiated it after you know finding fucking human remains and shit so that man, he was the worst you, dude you find human remains at anyone's house like you nah you guy sounds like a jerk oh man i the more i hear about this guy the less i like yeah, I can't like this guy. This guy, this guy, I don't think I can have a beer with this guy. Uh, so in 1956, uh, Maria is the soloist at another performance of Concerto Number no. 23, which was played in the uh, in the opening um, in the opening scene. Uh, Khrushchev, having powered over, which is played by Khrushchev, played by Steve Buscemi, uh, triumphed over the other members of the committee to become the new leader of the Soviet Union. Sits in attendance. Uh, Brezhnev, who will succeed Khrushchev in 1964, eyes Khrushchev from his seat. So, like, that's a great ending shot. What did you think of that ending shot where you see his oh, predecessor yeah. looking down at him over his shoulder? So, like, obviously very on the nose about, like, every time someone takes power in the Soviet Union all the way up until it's temporary, the wall, it's like, and even now, like, somebody's somebody's lurking in the Dude, shadows do you see do you see the shit going on in russia right now yeah right with the fucking dude, wagner situation yeah right? dude so they said like they stopped and stuff but uh uh what is it a uh, pergozin he was still saying like he was like yo i think i think i read somewhere where pergozin was saying russia's weak damn well 
Well, we can save that. That's a whole other bag of fucking. That's a whole other can of worms to. Man, I ain't unpack. got nothing to say before I get spetsnazzed out my house. Man, I got. They seem like they're not. They seem like they've got all they can handle in the Ukraine at the moment. So I think you. Oh uh, man, old fronts, man. But that's you know, it would if you listen to Russian propaganda, they'd be saying the same stuff about us. That's like, for BLM sure. is just terrorizing. Yeah, well, it's all propaganda, and that's the thing about the that's the thing about Russia. It has a reputation for like a hundred years of being like this this monster like regime of disinformation and state TV and all this. It's like it's it's always been a it's always been a game of trying to uh, disenfranchise and to disinform. Like that's that's the game. That's that's totalitarianism, though. In a, in a nutshell, for a lot of ways. Well, yeah, and I was gonna say that's just about every government they want to. True. The less you know, the better. Right. So anyway, um, reception. Let's talk reception. How did the film do? Um, like I said before, early in the podcast, did not do great at the box office. Um, it didn't get a huge release either. It, it, I did see it in the theaters, but it was a pretty limited release, not a huge worldwide release. Um, and in this kind of film, you don't really expect it to be like this monster, you know, box office smash. But um, it was uh, it was critically acclaimed though. Critics loved it um, for great reason. It's it's obviously hilarious. It's really smartly written. Um, the, the the taking on of like the cult of personality that was Stalin and trying to like um, satirize it was largely a success, even with some of the downfalls or the pitfalls of like none of the characters and actors speaking Russian. Um, fun, uh, funnily enough, uh, little side note. Former U.S. President Barack Obama was uh, included it on his favorite films of 2018. Oh, which uh, you know, I can see why you'd like that movie. It's it's yeah. funny. It's like it's it's kind of a political thing too. Like his world is politics. He's lived. He's been in a world of politics for right. Just most a satirized political thing. Yeah, I mean, I I would yeah. say a lot of politicians probably watch the film and like could find some quite a bit of quite a bit to laugh about in it. Yeah, thanks, Obama. Too. Yeah. So, um, there was, uh, yeah, it had, it had a very good uh, reception critically overall. Um, but like I said, box office, not so much. Not a ton of awards either. It did pretty well with the British award scene because it was largely a British film in a lot of ways. It was kind of like, a, you know, there's a lot of British actors in it. But yeah, it's most a lot of closer to Russia. Like, yeah, a little, they have the danger. Oh, danger. They took it on right from, right from the, the other side of Europe. Um, but Yanucci, the director and writer, he's he's obviously uh, Scottish, so he's you know it's it played pretty well there. It was nominated for a ton of awards at the independent, um, the British Independent Film Awards, uh, British British Academy Film Award. It was nominated for two, did not win it uh, either. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it, a great film. It really is a great film. It's a ton. There's a ton to watch. It, it's or a ton to look for in it because there's there's the obvious jokes, but there's like a lot of like, if you, I don't know a ton about the, the era or the time period, but like it, I, I would imagine that people who do probably find the film frustrating to watch just because of the historical inaccuracies. But like, if you're just looking to laugh at like a movie willing to take on a very difficult and challenging time in history, um, in a difficult place too, um, this is the movie like it's dark it's dark and life is dark and like they yeah, really managed to make it fun dude yeah it's <laughs> yeah there's a lot of just like gunshots people dying in the background like so yeah. it's really oh, that's... Like, a funny movie about that. i wanted to, yeah i wanted to make a note of that like that is also um, like a side note that i didn't notice is like 
that is going on like throughout the whole movie. There's always just like somebody being like um somebody being like uh what's the word being like wrangled executed. in and arrested. Not even just executed, just being like just being collected. Like just like humans living in Russia just being collected and and probably being sent to the gulags. Like there's just this like purging of human life. Dude, it's to the point where even in the beginning, the gentleman when he's like, Yo, everyone stay here, you're not gonna die. Like even the public, they're like he had to be <laughs> yeah, like, Yo, we're no not killing you. Yeah, like, <laughs> It's so dark. It's so dark. It's just like, really good. It's 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 great to see like a filmmaker go out there and like have the have the stones to make something so dark like funny because most World War Two films. I know this isn't World War Two, but this is like okay, post World War Two, like beginning of the cold of the Cold War era. Like this is this is not a fun time, and to make, especially if you're going to be talking about like Stalin's regime, to to make this uh, a comedy on on this topic is is. I think it's pretty ballsy. I was impressed with it. Um, but if let's take a quick break, Errol. What do you say? We'll, we'll do a quick break, um, and we'll come right back, and we're going to give our review of the film. Um, check out uh, – we're going to play for you just in, in the meantime. The the intro, interludes for today are actually going to be by that band we pushed at the beginning of our podcast release. This is going to be Via Luna, and, it had, and the previous breaks will be also filled by Via Luna. So – Enjoy a little Via Luna. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to do a rating for the film. And we'll talk a little bit about what's coming next. So, anytime we'll be right back.
Kay back with uh, our rating for the death of Stalin. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging in there through the episode. Um, we, uh, we kind of bounced all over. We talked a lot about film and we were happy to talk about this film. We, we kind of talked a little bit about it. We talked about it in pieces in this episode. We, we talked a lot about it at the beginning in our intro, and then we kind of dove back in and polished it up and uh, hope you got to get through all of it. And I know it's a little jumbled the way we kind of constructed today's episode, but um we'll uh we'll be a little more structured on the forthcoming episodes we're getting dusting off the cobwebs from a, a short break that we took but um diving into this film peripheral views podcast here we are this is our second film and it's gonna be our second rating so um errol you want to do the honors what uh what's your rating out of 10 for the death of Ar- armando and yanucci's 2017 film the death of stalin what'd you give it dude, dude I'm, I'm giving this bad boy a solid eight perfect nice I am uh I'm I'm happy you went with that rating uh because I'm gonna join you. I'm giving I'm also gonna give it an eight. And I actually think an eight's a little generous because um when I originally when I originally watched it, I actually I probably would have given it even more, maybe an eight and a half, eight point five. Um, but I actually I actually kind of enjoyed it a little less the uh second and third time viewing it for this uh for this episode. Um for just a couple of little reasons. I think the jokes just don't hit. It's not, it's one of those films. It's like uh, the first time you see it because it is not what I expected or it's not what. Uh, Dude, it's definitely expect. better. Than, it's definitely better than the first watch through for sure. Yeah. I think that's what kind of like it lost. But a that's what I think it for me. I think it's such a good first watch through where I'm giving yeah. it. It's an, it's an easy eight for me. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I was going to go like 7.5, but like, I did remember how much I enjoyed it. The See, first I almost, time. I almost went 8.5, but I went. Wow. That was because, a big because, score. Because of the rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. Re-watch. I, I, I think it's, it's got, it's got a lot to, uh, it's got a lot to offer, especially if like you show it to someone who hasn't seen it before, they could really get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, but it, it is, a, it is a really funny film. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's never boring too. I'll give you that. Like I'll give the film that much credit. There's no more. Well, there's no one point in the film where you're just like, you know, you've lost interest. At least I didn't because the dialogue is just so like snappy. Oh yeah. Um, even the, even the, uh, the slow parts are, uh, right. Well, think like the, the slowest parts are the parts with like Stalin's daughter and she has, uh, like, uh, what does she have? She has, a uh, Sheila can't focus on anything. Right. Yeah. 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 Like even yeah. so, even on the parts where you're like where you can't quote unquote focus, neither can the actors. Like, so right. it's like Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's it's got its moments, but it's definitely got a good pace. It's 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 got a strong pace that will keep you entertained throughout. Um. So there it is. There's our ratings. That's an eight out of ten for me. That's an eight out of ten for Errol. Um. So we're we've done two good films right out of the gate. The thing I went with a nine. Uh, Errol, you gave that an eight, I believe, as well. Um, oh, so you're saying that's on par with the thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, I disagree. So, I, I think it's a much. I think the thing is a much better film, but they're two different films. It's hard. If you think. if you had both of these go up to bat, then I'm voting for the thing just because the cultural uh, like impact to it. But like also, yeah. um, as far as uh, like good films, um, they're both good. Like they both. Uh, the the thing lacks where it does just because it's dated, and this lacks where it does. I don't know. Maybe if it was if they did this like a like a melodrama like a Chernobyl, because mm-hmm. you know if you want to talk about Chernobyl, if you want to talk about it, then 
You want to talk about some stuff, bro? We can talk about Chernobyl. Oh, God. That's the dude. That was... Did you watch that? I saw the first, like, two episodes. Oh, you didn't finish it? No, 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 no. I know. No, believe me. I know. The only reason that my wife and I didn't finish it was because of... um, I think we we started it right when we were moving to Syracuse. So, like, it was, like, way too much just started happening. Uh, Too many, like, you know, priorities. And my TV was just, like, not hooked up. That was, like, literally it. I'm like, no, it was great. What I saw was great. The best, like, Russian like adaptation like american thing it would have to be chernobyl and like yeah. that that yeah, show is dude that's that's probably the best show i've ever seen it's legit. i gotta tell you you are like a real fan of like anything nuclear like you're just a nuclear head you're yeah, a nuke no, head. I, i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a glutton for power you're a motherfucking nuke dog <laughs> <laughs> you you were like you're beating around the bush for a lot of stuff like dude i like i like i like i like, I like physics fuck, i like mass fucking i like splitting protons dude i like radiation poisoning <laughs> well that brings us to like hey listen next week comes out oh oppenheimer so you gonna go to see that in the theater oh my god i'm gonna see that in imax yeah, I think I might too. I just might as well. I'm gonna try to at least. I'm gonna f- try to find the time. I wanted to see Indiana Dude, Jones how, in the theater, but you. What about Barbie? I I'm not going to see Barbie. Oh, I don't know. I hear it. My. It looks funny. I'll give it to it. It looks funny, but like if I got listen, man, I have not been. To, I'm telling you, this is gonna make you sad. But I have not been to the theater since 2019. Dang. I, the I'm last good. film, the last film I saw in the theater was uh, a film called. Uh, which damn, I tell you, there's of, of all the directors out there, um, Robert Eagers is a guy to, to pay attention to. I saw a film called The Lighthouse. Oh um, yeah, that's I that's what I saw. Or not the last thing I saw in theaters, but uh, we could, we should talk about that sometime. Even you've seen The Lighthouse? Yeah, dude, I I love that movie. Dude, dude, yeah, that movie's like that's like the mod. That's the best. That's like a modern The Shining for me. How'd you feel about the cum scene? Thought it was fucking amazing. Not the first time I've seen it. Shit. You remember the fucking Silence of the Lambs when Jodie Foster gets it right in the face? Just walking yeah, that's, just a little, that's a little bit of cum. That's not like fucking like a staircase full of cum. Yeah, that was pretty that was pretty something else. I mean, there's so much Hitchcock in that movie, and there's just like Dude, I, I just yeah, no, that's no, so here here's the thing. Um the fact that it was like done in black and white, but still like so like vivid, like that's I Robert Eagers, bro. It's 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 Robert too much Eagers. for me to just say like I, I feel bad for just being like, did you like the cum scene? Because like that's like yeah, if you're gonna so chalk that movie up to that, that movie's like way more yeah, than like no, the there's... homoeroticism that's it because there's a ton of that homoeroticism. Well, no, so think there. no, so here's the thing about all right, so I'm I don't even care how much time this takes. I'll I'll take a second. Um that's the thing that's going to happen. Like if you're just two guys in a um, excluded area for some amount of time, you're going to have like some kind of sexual stuff to the point, to the point where one of the uh, factors in the movie is the, uh, the mermaid idol. Right. That is a fetish. The mermaid idol is a fetish. That's why he's jerking off to it. Definition of a fetish. Give me a second. Give me a moment, dude. That dude, this movie's brilliant. This movie is genius. Um, so that that idol that he had in his bed was a fetish. He broke it and he like threw it. That's why he's like, I'm no longer under your thing. So fetish definition number one: a form of sexual desire which gratification is strongly linked to a particular object or activity, um, apart from the body, uh, other or than the sexual the organs. Body. 
Yes. So uh, strongly linked to a particular object or activity, object or activity, or two, the, an inanimate object worship for its supposed magical powers be, because it's considered to be inhabited by a magical spirit. The That little thing that he had there was both a inanimate object like that was like possessed, quote unquote, by a magical spirit, like a sexual magical spirit, and also a um, a sexual desire strongly linked with that object it would like oh, that right, object right. like yeah. with and it was where was it it was sewn into his bed yeah so, okay like, right that was like so he slept every night and he's like why do i feel these sexual urges to a goddamn fucking fish lady yeah because he had like a literal too. fetish he had a fetish a literal fetish in his bed where he slept yeah so like okay. when he right. fucking did his thing with it and then like broke it he's like i don't i'm not He's like you. You set up the other guy. I don't. I don't think that he set up the other guy. I think the other guy sewed it into his bed because he was crazy before he. Uh, and then, and then I do believe that the guy killed him, and like that's why I picked up his head and the shrimp thing. But I think he killed him because he is crazy. Then he's like, "You're going crazy." Like the other I've got guy. a lot. See, I, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong because like this is the beauty of like great films. But like I'm going to save that and let's go. Let's cue that motherfucker up. Let's do that soon. Cause like I wanna I wanna talk because I've got a counter theory, um, I've got a bunch of counter theories to that. In fact, that I wanna I wanna throw at you, but I don't want to do it right now. Well, what are you gonna you're gonna talk about? Uh, what are you? No, 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 don't no, don't try he, to probe no, me into it. No, 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 because realistically, no, because that's uh, I'm not I'm not talking from the perspective of Ephraim Winslow, so that's not even. I'm just talking about the uh, I'm talking about the aspect just from a guy who's trying to just be a cool dude just be a guy but like if you okay no we do gotta talk about this sometime Here no you. i'm talking this is what i'm saying because like i, I, I i'm i'm t- like i'm way too tempted to like start start diving into this but like i we, we just have to do this film like soon because there's so much that i read about this because i was obsessed with it when this first came out i was like well give me this give might me be one of the best movies. don't leave me in the audience hanging what, what give me something that's the whole point this no no Okay. 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 <laughs> it's the whole point is okay. So we're time. you're talking about if not the next episode, then we're like we're two episodes away. We're we're a couple episodes out, but we can talk three, about this two to three episodes away from the list. Listen, we have a we have a potential guest, um, uh, a potential guest uh, host for uh, an upcoming podcast, and he goes by the name of Stephen Launderville. He used to be on a he's done a few guest spots on our previous podcast together, and an I'm working stable. on getting him. I'm working on getting him available, and maybe he can sit down on this one because I don't. I don't know that he's seen the film, but this would be a lot of fun to to just bounce some ideas around because I have a million ideas about this well, even, film, even even about bad. like some of the surrealist themes that are like it, like. There's I just don't even want to get into it. There's we're gonna save it. The Lighthouse by Robert Eagers. Robert Eagers is, is, is you're right. He's a genius. Um, if you haven't seen The Lighthouse, uh, he's also his other two films are his first film was um, was uh, The Witch. Have you seen The Witch? The Witch. No. The Witch. Yeah. The The Witch. The Witch. It's The Witch. But it's it's the, the yes that that movie is nearly as good. I think The Lighthouse is by far my favorite. But he also did The Northman last year. The Northman was freaking sick, dude. I fucking loved it. I thought it was dude, awesome that too. movie was wicked, badass, cool, yeah. dude. That yeah. movie was so <laughs> was cool, cool as shit. man. That yeah. movie was good. You know what else is great too is he's actually doing um, his next film. We're everybody's waiting on right now. He's doing. Um, he's remaking Nosferatu. Oh, old uh, Dracula! Count, fucking count me in. Yeah, the original Dracula. I don't like man. I don't like so. So I don't like vampires. 
because yeah, um, but he's gonna make it cool. I trust him. I trust. Well, him. no, so I, I believe that too. But it's like a you remember like the deepness with like the baseball thing I was talking about earlier. How it's like yeah. a, like a hero's journey. Like right. um, I don't like I don't like the villains being vampires because vampires like in literature they're manipulative people. They are like they're people who like uh you you subterfuge and like you connive your way to like get what you want. Um, there's actually, I guess there's actually like a dichotomy between people who like vampires and like werewolves. Cause like with a I werewolf. Could see that. I absolutely could see that. There's like something Gothic about Dracula's it, and vampires. If you like, like, if, if you, if you like would rather be a vampire, it's because you'd rather like manipulate and control people. Or if you, if you'd if rather you be a were, werewolf, you're a fucking brute. Well, no. If you, if you more so like, uh, if you feel bad for uh, vampires, it's because like you feel their pain, but you'd also like to manipulate if you're in that kind of situation. But if you feel bad for uh, werewolves, it's because you you can sense the struggle that they have and that they can't fight it. Like it's something that is not up to them. Uh, yeah. So so yeah, that's like, based on that's based on the media though. That's not ba- like that, and I don't mean the media like CNN. I mean like that's based on like the that's media. the media trying to make you. Werewolves trying to turn werewolves gray. Something in the water turns the werewolves gay. I'll tell you what, that vampire stuff is just Fox Network. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean like I mean like the films and the TV shows and the franchises that have come out all across like about 120 years of like vampires and werewolves. Like this stuff's been around for a really long time, and so like. It does. It's like if you had like it's because of the way that the films and the books, like the Bram's, yeah, but that's Stokers. But that's always been the. That's always been how they're they've been portrayed. There's never been like a. That's true. Not never, not never, but the overall. It's basically that way. Scheme is like if you're a vampire, like you're gonna take advantage of like some like younger person, and by younger person, I mean like you're 300 years old. So if they're like 50 or like 30 or yeah, you're you're man, you're talking to a child, like so basically all right well let's take a short let's take a short break on that note um we'll do the lighthouse that's that's going to be on deck um coming down the pike we'll uh we'll pump that one out um and we'll we'll take our sweet time on that one because that one's going to be fun we don't have to do a big intro like on this one and um you know i was happy to talk about the death of stalin um but you know there's a lot of other films that i wanted to make sure we touched upon in the uh in the episode so well, let's take a quick short, uh, another quick short break. And when we come back, we are going to do, uh, we'll just talk about what's coming very next, not next down the road, but the very next episode, we'll let you guys know what that's going to look like. Hang tight. We'll be back to talk about it.
welcome back to Peripheral Views. Uh, we're going to close this episode out. This is our fifth episode. In our second in the film series, we did The Death of Stalin from 2017, written and directed by Armando Iannucci. Um, coming up next is a big, uh, this will be a new uh, introduction, a new introduction to a, a new series we're going to do. Um, this is going to be kind of fun. It's going to be, now we've, we've touched upon this, this kind of domain um, in a previous in a previous podcast, I believe the Sunny Listen episode, we talked a little bit about uh, as you anyone who's listening and has heard that Sunny Listen biography episode knows uh, Errol and I are um, UFC fans, MMA fans, boxing fans. We like combat sports. We want to talk a little little, little bit about that stuff. So what we're going to do is we're going to introduce a new series. This is going to be our ranking series. So this isn't strictly beholden to um, UFC or MMA combat sports. Um, we're going to do ranking shows on a lot of stuff. We can do ranking shows on our favorite films, on our favorite albums, on our favorite books, on our favorite um, historical events. There's a lot of things that we that will fall into this series. But what we're going to kick off with is going to be we're going to do a top five um, moments, UFC moments of the of the 2023 calendar year so far. So it's now uh, July 4th. It's uh, Independence Day here in the U.S., um, we have International Fight Week is coming up this this weekend um, in Las Vegas. Uh, so there's a big UFC card as per usual um, this Saturday at the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. You've got UFC 290. A uh, lot of good fights on that card. Prelims look pretty solid. Uh, early prelims look okay, um, but the prelim card is solid. You've got um, Prospect Jack Della Maddalena is taking on his late replacement, Josiah Harrell, which um, if you don't know Jack Della Maddalena, you might want to get to know that name because this dude's going to be a problem in, in the future here. Um, and then you get to see, Errol, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Robbie Lawler's retirement fight is going oh. down. Yeah, he's fighting Nico Price and the headlining, headliner of the prelims. Um, that's his last fight. He's going to retire after that, which is probably for the best. Dude's been fighting a very long time. Yeah. Um, everybody loves Robbie Lawler. Something star. Yeah, the man has been well, he he got knocked out by Nick Diaz when they were both like 18 years old in the UFC too. Um, so he's gonna retire. That's a big deal. Bo Nickel, um, prospect, unbelievable prospect. Dude has like he's four and oh professionally, and he doesn't even have an accumulation of a round yet because he's finished guys Damn. so fast. Yeah, he's 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 just he's that's just like a good, that's like a like a Khabib stat, like you. Yeah, straight up. Khabib's already. never uh, Khabib's never bled. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, what, how do you? Nah, all right. Let's be real. How do you finish a professional like at the top of the like the greatest fighter in the uh, in your class and like not of blood? Like, yeah, what, no, it's kind of insane. The, no, <laughs> in a fighting insane. sport, man. Nah, I, I will. The hill I'll die on, and it's the easy. It's the most comfy hill. Is Khabib is the greatest fighter of all time? Yeah, it's it's. He's got an he's got an argument for it. I disagree, and we'll, we we'll talk about that. <laughs> we can, yeah, I guess we can it. next week. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that next week. We're gonna talk about. You can that. try I to disagree. sleep me on that hill. It's a tall. It's a tall order. But you know sure. what's gonna be funny? You know what's gonna be funny too is I actually disagree. What do you say? Is it is it? Is, I disagree. Once there's strongly. one name. There's one name. There's it's one John name. Jones. God damn it. No, it's no, not. It's, it's George. John. It's George Saint Pierre. No, it's not. It's John Jones. It's John. No, it's John Jones. It's John Jones, bro. Bro, it's John Jones, and it's not even close. It's not even close. It doesn't matter. He did Listen, that shit on. Yeah, he did that shit on drugs. 
Yeah, all right. If that's your argument, then like, okay. No, I, I no. Get... I'm saying no. I'm saying it's more. Oh, you meant? <laughs> you meant on cocaine? Like it's more. <laughs> he was doing coke the whole time. Yeah, he no, wasn't. Right. He wasn't it's in shape. It's not even that. He was just not, it can't be. It can't be. A, if, if it's a conversation about resumes, which I think it has to be, it's like that's how you determine who's the best. Is who who was who the competition the against? Yeah. Everyone. Well, no, that's that's all right. Khabib so, did not. Khabib did not. His resume. So, so I it's hope weak. I hope he doesn't hear this, but that's the same reason why I say like Mike Tyson isn't like the nastiest boxer of all time. Oh yeah, we could, the strength of schedule. I I get that. No, it's understandable. Right, like that's right. so. I'll I'll relent there. John Jones. John Jones. Dead. No, do you put him up against someone, man? No. So here's the thing: the Jones brothers. There's nothing, dude. You get like you roll up at a bar, man. You're not beating those people. There's no one that's a, that's a boss fight. That's what I'm saying. That's like a yeah. legit. You, know, you better have a gun, and even then, I don't like your chances. I used to do. De- I used to deliver where he was from in the 19th Ward in Rochester. That's where he's from. He's from Rochester, New York. And uh, I used to deliver. John to, I used to, Jones, dude. He used to. Fight I used to also. I used to deliver. Curry. Well, there's a factory there that I used to deliver to, and I used to actually deliver to uh, uh, one of the dock workers was his cousin. He says he he says he hasn't seen him since like um, this was back in like 2019. He said he hadn't seen him since like the hit and run thing. Like he hasn't been back to Rochester since. It didn't happen. Like that was just a claim. I don't know if that's true. I I don't mean to like espouse anything. Bro, I'm literally not going to say anything negative about him. I'm sorry. No, he's a gangster. I think he's the greatest fighter that ever walked the face of the earth. That's my opinion. I think he can beat the shit out of him. So here's the thing, too. As long as there's no constricting rules. I'd I'd like to think that, too, like when it comes to like the greatest fighter, like you need to be heavyweight. He is heavyweight. heavyweight. He just went heavyweight. No, so that's what I'm saying. Like Khabib didn't do it heavyweight. Yeah, I mean, even if you, I, I don't want to make you that want, kind of, pound for pound is a no, no. That's I don't care about pound for pound, man. If you want to be the baddest man on the planet, man, you got to be the baddest man on the planet. You got to be yeah, able to be the biggest dude. Everybody's ass. But... Exactly, you got to be able to be the biggest dude in the room if you want to be the baddest man on the planet. And that's that's what that. Right, well, let me is. let me finish let me finish finish up this UFC two ninety card because we got we'll talk a lot about this. Um, and dude, uh, I'm from I also um I didn't I didn't say the uh, anti star spangled banner so I want to end with that. That's the last. Oh thing right, okay, ready? Let's uh, all right, let's finish this up then. Um, so Jalen Turner taking on Dan Hooker. So Dan Hooker's back. Not not no relation to our our beloved uh, co host here, Errol Hooker. Um, lots of love here's, though. Here's where the card gets fun, though. Um, and the card is fun up to this point. There's a lot of good fights on it. Um, Robert Whitaker is fighting uh, Drickus Duplessis, the South African, and the winner of that is going to is going to fight Izzy, um, supposedly. So uh, that's going to be fun. I think I'm pretty confident Whitaker is going to mop him up because just Rob, Robert Whitaker is so good. Um, and Duplessis has just not looked that impressive to me uh, so far. Um but we'll see. We'll see what happens in that fight. It's oh, a dude, I said, I said the Southern star. I was thinking about Robert Whitaker earlier. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he's a savage, man. He's one of the great. I think he's one of the greatest fighters of all time. He's only lost to one man in like nine years. And that was it. I, I like him, too. He's a good person. Yeah, he's a really he's a gamer, too. Super gamer. Big time. Nerd. Um, co-main event, Brandon Moreno defends his flyweight uh, championship against Alejandre Pantoja. Um so that'll be a fun. That's a flyweights are always fun. The one twenty five divisions a, a blast because those guys are they just move so quick. Um, that's a that's a good fight. That should be a fun fight. Those two have actually fought twice before, and Pantoja's beaten him twice. 
and he's the champ. So we'll see what happens there. And then you get your main event, big, big fight, big, big fight. Definitely the one to, to not miss. And that's going to be Alexander Volkanovsky fighting Yair Rodriguez to try to defend his featherweight title. Um, if you've never seen, um, no, I'm going to save it because this is going to make my list. So um, we're going to talk. Um, that'll be in our next episode. That's what's coming up this weekend. Um, that's a big, and in, and in light of that, we're on Friday, Friday night before that uh, UFC 290 card, we are going to sit down and talk about our top five UFC moments of the year so far. And then we're going to split that time with our top 10 UFC moments of all time. So Errol and I are going to sit down and pick our top 10 UFC moments, not MMA or boxing specifically. It's just going to be UFC. We'll just be beholden to that. Although I, I understand that there are like some pretty unbelievable moments in Pride. Yeah, because and in the, I was Pride was the one that goes Pride's the shit. Yeah, Pride. No, because literally, no. Let's we can get out the way right now. We can get out the way right now. The number one Pride moment of all time was that Quentin Jackson slam. Yeah, probably that would probably have to be number one for Ted, pride. At least. If you if you want to know a, a fun fact, that was um in sports that was the most uh the most force derived to someone in a uh, in like a single act like the uh really? so like in so well you you measure it by physics so in in football you have someone running at someone one speed and running at someone another speed boom you hit each other it cancels. Or like you know it like you in the gates hockey you're going a bit faster you're on skates you're moving around you got some speed boom one of those hits when someone's like you know not moving you can measure that the forces that happened during that Quentin Jackson slam were um, as follows he has this man six feet in the air and he moves <laughs> that two hundred and so odd pounds to the ground. Oh my god! <laughs> with, with the quickness, like he uses the yeah. whiplash, like the the impact <laughs> of him being like just the weight of him being slammed to the ground, like is uh there. There's not a lot of other for- forces in sports that you see outside of highlight, outside of sports where you take a small ball and you whip it upwards of like a hundred miles an hour. Like there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of other times where you see like the forces, uh, like displayed in that slam. Right. I can't even Ricardo Arona. It was Quentin Jackson. I was like, I can't even think of Ricardo Arona. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, the Quentin right. Jackson, Ricardo Arona fight. And here's the thing about that fight before I'm going to get into it just a second, because it's not a, a UFC fight. And I would get into it because it's one of the craziest fights of all time. Quinn Jackson lost that fight, dude. He was passed out. Ricardo Arona was <laughs> flipping his hand. He looked at the ref. He's like, what do you do? He's passed out. I passed him out. He's like, he, I, he didn't tap because he's sleeping. And then as he's like tapping his hand, Quinn Jackson's like, Oh, the ref's tapping my hand. Shimmy's up. He goes to put him in a triangle. Dude stands up. It delivers the most impactful sl- Force that was what was so fun about delivered pride, in sports because pride is so crazy because they didn't care about the people who were fighting. No, yeah, yeah. Was, well, that's what made it fun. I'm sorry, it's true. Dude, the, the face stomps, the head kicks. Like, yeah, if someone's on the yeah. ground, you want to kick them in the mouth. That's well, the knees. Fault. You could you could knee a down opponent too. Like those like those fucking vicious like kicks. You could like, yeah, yeah you could knee like the, yeah. If someone like if you went to go shoot a takedown and they stuffed it, you could just knee them in the face, like knee them in the top of the head. But you could also do that in the early UFC. Like, and also you could do the 12 to 6 elbows which are i don't want to say like they're 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 effective but they're just like if you get in a fight with someone like and you're fighting for your life and you have them kind of 
like roped up like left arm or something or yeah. right arm 12 to six elbows there's a reason that they're illegal in the ufc yeah you, well that's why just that's the only reason literally elbow so- single loss yeah literally just elbow someone in the back of the head or elbow someone in the top of the head or elbow someone in the face like you'll you'll win the fight like if you need to win a fight you'll you'll win it well on that note let's um let's wrap it up so we will be doing that on friday plus i will do on a i can't i can't forget to mention um we will have a little bonus surprise content at the end of that i don't want to give that away uh we're doing a great job of like keeping you guys titillated we've got stuff down the pike just hang with us um we'll do friday night uh, we'll do our ufc show right before international flight week can't think of a better time um to uh break down some fun ufc stuff from this year and from years gone by errol you got anything you'd like to add before we close this thing out dude nothing but the anti-star spangled banner dude i'm ready to sing it sing it let's hear it pump it out okay yeah to to the tune of the regular star spangled banner oh Okay, yeah. Give me a second because I was gonna play it just so you could like play it out yourself and try to like. Oh, do it, but sure. I'll just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll just I'll do it in my head. If you want to lay out something, feel free to do it. But like, you don't need to. Here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> in three, two. If you want to like overlay it poorly, it'd probably be great. Um, oh, okay. But three. I'll pump it in. Two, one. Oh, the shadows we cast in twilight bloom at the land that divides us our hearts find no room the stripes of discord the fields of disdain we march to the dissonance of fractured refrain with no gleaming stars, just darkness above. No unity we find, no binding love. Where freedom falters and justice bends. In the shattered land, our hope descends. The flag of division we unfurled high, a symbol of discord where truth and trust die. No land of the free, no home of the brave, only chains of discord, a nation enslaved. Thank you, thank you, artificial intelligence. Thank you, the United States of America. Thank you, internet. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, that was that was that was something. That was something. We're gonna I'm gonna layer that in. I don't know that I like it. Yeah, like your singing was fine, but I think I hate the song. I I love the song, man. I think I hate the song. I think I want the original. I'm going with the original. You're you're. Pissing all over my, my patriotism. You know what? On the fourth of July, you should be a damn shame to yourself right there. That is that I is didn't a, write it. It was a it was a robot. <laughs> You're gonna place it on the on the writers of the song. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna blame it on the robots. Well, listen, I think I'm I'm I'll I'll put it in anyway, but just for our listeners, that is gonna be pure irony. That's gonna be pure irony just on the fourth of July. 
Um, all right, yeah, well, that's probably the fourth of you lie. Yeah, I will not lie because uh, I'm like George Washington up in this bitch. Okay. <laughs> all right, I'll, let's wrap it up. This is Peripheral Views. Uh, this is our podcast. We are wrapped, and we will check you guys on Friday with our UFC show. So see you then.